Hello and welcome to Extra Milestone, a spin-off series of the Cinemaholics podcast. Every month, roughly, we celebrate a noteworthy film anniversary. These are the classic films that we believe went the extra mile in their filmmaking, making them as relevant today as they were yesterday and are therefore Extra Milestone. First up, he's our usual host of the show, Baron John Negroni. Welcome, Baron. Ah, ha, ha, ha. I've come to suck your... Oh, wait, wrong movie. What in the world? <laughs> I don't know where that was going. but I'm That's in... my Dracula, obviously. <laughs> this Everyone knows that. Wrong monster, wrong monster. I'm going to move right on past that. I am, of course, the incorrigible Sammy Normal, a.k.a. Sam Normal, a.k.a. Sam Nolan. That's me. I'm hosting this time, John. Look at me. I'm all grown up now. You're doing a great job so far, Sam. Although, I don't know. You haven't mentioned Dracula yet. I don't know what this Dracula nonsense is. Uh, John, it's been a while. It's been a while since we've done one of these. Since December, in fact. Yes, and we have a lot of catching up to do. We're going to be doing all kinds of extra milestones so all the listeners can get their fix that we've we've been pulling back from them. But like like a certain creature, we have uh, resurrected in some senses yes. this program. We've been we've been resurrected from the dead to do yet another extra milestone. This is going to be celebrating the anniversary uh, for the month of December. Last time we did Life of Brian, which was released November 1979. Oh, what a great movie. Uh, that was so a fun good. time. I really liked so that. So funny. And uh, and we're doing another comedy this this month. So uh, it's the listeners love comedies. They love to laugh. I, I who doesn't? Anyone would love to laugh. Um, we're gonna get to that movie that we chose here in a minute. But first, John, as usual, there were so many to choose from. Like always, there are. It's uh in when I'm doing the research for like what's on the docket for any particular month. I'm amazed at like how many things came out in one month of even a even a certain year. Naturally, having to choose just one in some cases too, but but for the most part, we choose just one a month. Uh, it's it's not easy, and we had a lot of good uh, contenders for this episode. Would you like to hear what yeah, we didn't they, select? You know, they they say you can't kill your darlings, but Sam, you do it every month. I murder at least a half dozen of my darlings. I picture, I picture it. I'm like, there's Sam, you know, just sitting there pressing the delete button, but it's almost like you're stabbing these movies. If, if I deleted them from all consideration, maybe so if I deleted them though, I'd have to go way, I'd have to go back through IMDB. So I keep them on the document for now, but mm, they're not indented. Okay. Like our winner is, um, here's what we didn't select that was on the poll, and we talked briefly about these last time. Uh, Gone with the Wind premiered in December of 1939, so that was technically so funny on the docket. too. The the president of the United States just cited <laughs> yeah. Gone with the Wind. That would have been as... really strange if we had <laughs> yeah. done that. It would have seemed like we were very reactionary, you yeah. know, like all right, time to. <laughs> <laughs> Rather than <laughs> rather than celebrating the awesome fact that Parasite won Best Picture, which is legitimately awesome, by the way. Uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's great news. Uh, this is a very timely show, obviously. We're dating ourselves a bit, but yes, we, not we are all. not the president's department of Best Picture defense. Well, not in the month of December, anyway. Uh, right. But yeah, Gone with the Wind is, is significant. Um, so it would have been interesting to talk about regardless of what context we would have recorded the episode in. I certainly like it very much, even though it's kind of a can of worms, uh, historically. It's, it's, yeah, it, it, it romanticizes, you know, the Civil War era slavery. Yeah. Uh, so 
in a lot of senses. So uh-huh. it would have been a good discussion. That's for sure. That's for sure. There are far worse, like not trying to make light of it or anything. There are far worse movies to do similar things. Oh, uh, sure. It's no birth of a nation or anything. That's like for that. sure. Uh, but yeah, so that we, we did not choose that one. And I think we're somewhat grateful for it because that thing is four hours long. So it would have been a hell of a sure. hell of a commitment. It, it, it's it's an extra extra milestone. I mean, Gone with the Wind is the most successful film of all time in terms of ticket sales. I, yeah, I don't know if there's any context we could add in 2020 that would be hindsight, but maybe so. I, I always like the listeners. They pick they pick the weird ones, right? They always pick the ones that we don't expect to get picked. Yeah, and that was that was that was the case for a couple of months there. So maybe that will continue to be the case. Maybe in 2039 we'll talk about Gone with the Wind, but the time. For that is nigh another option this was this was like kind of the weird one the poll uh last month was robert brisson's pickpocket have you still have you managed to get around to that uh, since we know no i know that? you talked about it and i was like i'm gonna see it sam i promise <laughs> i broke the promise sam it's i don't, I don't remember you promising so if you had said nothing i would have been totally fine but now oh, i'm yeah. angry i don't think it. i actually did promise but i don't I think, think so i wanted either. to yeah, you, I think I knew though. We both knew what this was. You promised in your brain, and yeah, it would have. It's it's not like the most talked about movie, but I think it's quite good. So I thought it was worth possibly putting on the poll just for the just for the hell of it, just to see if anyone would vote for it. And lo, no one did. But regardless, not a single person. I didn't vote for it. That's for sure. <laughs> Uh, regardless, it's worth checking out. If you have the Criterion channel, check out anything by Robert Brisson, uh, especially A Man Escaped. That's the best one. Uh, oh, yes. But that is for another year. Another option, uh, which, which is somewhat timely, um, is a Goldfinger, what, sort of the er example of like the really great Bond movie. It's the one that really kind of got the formula going. Yeah. Uh, it would have been nice to go one, back to recall. Yeah, that was it was the third one ever, unless you count the TV version of Casino Royale, which is so insubstantial that it really doesn't matter. Sure, um, it was the third. Uh, it was the third one with uh, what's his name, Sean Connery. Yes, and under the broccoli producers, it, it was the third James Bond movie as we know it under the Eon banner. Right. Uh, and I still think it's one of the best, if not the best. Um, Same. Oh, a hundred percent. In fact, I was kind of, I was actually a little surprised this one didn't get a lot of love in the polls. Yeah, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe we're we're saving our Bond energy for No Time to Die. Who knows? Ah, uh, yes, uh, a future extra milestone. We might be ones. we might be talking a little bit about Bond a few months from now. But again, that is for another time. Uh, another option. This was the one I was pulling for was the all time classic, the Best Picture winner, The Godfather Part Two, which would have been strange to yeah. jump into Part Two without doing Part One. So that might have been part yeah. of it. Also, it's really long as well. Um, and oh, it's but kind of it a, goes by so quick, Sam it, Nolan. It, it goes it really by so does. fast. It, can you even call it long? Uh, yes, but <laughs> but Quite that is, easily. That fact. is not a that is not a uh, that is not to take away from it. Matter of fact, it's one of my favorite movies. I prefer it over the first one at the moment. I always switch which one is my favorite. Right now, I prefer Part Two by like a by a millimeter. They're both fantastic. They're both all time classics to the point where I don't think we would have been able to add terribly much, at least not more than we than we usually do. Uh, I don't know. I haven't listened to a lot of people talk about the movie. I've I've watched a lot of things and dove in into some books about it, but I've never logged on to any sort of uh, uh, auditory <laughs> program yeah. in which two gentlemen or more. Yes, I'm sure Will Ashen would join on for that. Have talked about the movie, so you know we could have filled a niche. Yeah, I don't think we've ever talked about a, a, a Coppola movie, the three of us, let alone on the extra miles. Well, conversation. Oh yeah, that's right. We did that for our yeah. for our movies we'd never seen 
until now. Until now. Episode. I remember yeah, that. I apologize for forgetting that. Uh, anything. <laughs> we Coppola still need did, to do another one of those. To be honest, I. Oh, that would I want be to so badly. I'd have plenty of recommendations. Anything Coppola did in the seventies is is solid gold. So he had a hell of a run there. Um, also from the seventies. This time, this one was nineteen seventy nine. Uh, sort of another weird one was Bob Fosse's All That Jazz, which I still haven't seen. So I also broke that uh, uh, mm-hmm. hypothetical promise that I made to myself to one day get to it disappointed in you, I, I don't know what to say <laughs> have you seen it john i've seen all that jazz oh really I and th- it really is all a lot of jazz i thought as much i've been looking forward to it for years i'll just need to find the time and the wherewithal to get around to it one day uh maybe maybe that could be an, a something to talk about on what we've never seen until now but time will tell and our final nominee on the poll was uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's Magnolia, which is which is my favorite of PTA's movies, at least the ones I've seen. There are, there are still still a couple I haven't gotten to yet, uh, but I quite like that movie. It would have been really interesting to talk about, um, especially once we get into like <laughs> the stuff that happens in the plot and everything. If you've seen the movie, you know it gets weird eventually, uh, and it's really striking and really memorable, and I love it. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not... <laughs> So far, Sam, I, I just I hear things like Goldfinger and The Godfather and Gone with the Wind. All these movies that start with G. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm seeing a pattern. Sam. I, I see how it is. Well, the movie the movie that ended up uh, that ended up when he starts with a Y. So I don't know if that worked out. But uh, mm. like always, there were a few other movies that I did not put onto the poll just because I didn't think they would have enough traction or there wouldn't be enough uh, material to get a full episode out of it. But incidentally, this first one is also starts with the letter G. Released in December 1924 is uh, not a lot of people. Gary about Poppins. It. Gary Poppins. John, you've officially <laughs> dove into the deep end, and you're never coming back. Oh, boy. <laughs> no, it is oh, actually it is actually uh, another four-hour movie, weirdly enough, uh, and it was even longer, but a lot of it is lost. It is Eric Von Stroheim's Greed. Uh, have you seen mm. Greed, John? I haven't seen Greed, no. Greed is That's fantastic. That's an old movie. It's really old. It's almost 100 years old. It'll be it'll be a century old in uh, in 4 years. But yeah, it really innovated a lot of like a lot of the cinematic language that we've come to know now, uh, like the juxtaposition of images in kind of an abstract way um and uh, sort of using multiple planes of uh vision to illustrate um like dramatic contrast and stuff. It, it's really, really fascinating. There's like a two and a half hour cut. Um, that is what most people go by. And then there's also a four hour cut, which includes lost, not lost footage, but lost parts of the script that they use with like screenshots that they have. Uh, and it's, oh, really... that's how, that's what you have to do with uh, star is born. The uh, Judy Garland version, because they don't have all the footage. And so they use screenshots yes. for a lot of the, the first act actually yeah i remember that yeah i hadn't put that together but yeah so this is this is something that goes on from time to time uh greed is fantastic it's one of it's <laughs> would a, you say greed is good i wasn't gonna make the joke but yes greed <laughs> is ah uh, good so clever yes yes uh it's uh no it's better than good i'd say it's actually one of the better silent movies i've ever seen which is saying something because i've seen a fair amount so uh check out greed if you're into silent cinema and even if you're not i think it might be a decent gateway if you can stomach the length which if you can't can we do a 10 second tangent and say what in your opinion 
best silent movie you've ever seen? Oh, goodness. Uh, I always go with Sunrise, A Song of Two Humans. Um, it was uh, the, the first movie to win. In 1927, there were two awards for Best Picture, sort of, uh, and it won one of them. So that is saying a lot. Um, That's a great recommendation, listeners. Yeah. Uh, but if you want to ignore Sam's recommendation, <laughs> go with my favorite silent <laughs> film ever made. It's, uh, it's almost a tie between the Mark of Zorro and mm. Passion of Joan of Arc. So, yeah, Joan of Arc is there you way go. up there. Three uh, three silent films, I think, is worth your time. Because yes. Mark of Zorro has the best sword fight ever put to film, in my opinion. And yeah, Passion of Joan of Arc, one of the greatest female performances of all time. One of, one of the great performances of all time. It's, re- it's really indelible. Yeah, so one day, one day we'll get to a silent movie. It'll have to be a really big one, like Metropolis or Nosferatu or something. Uh, but an that, extra milestone, I suppose. An extra milestone. There you go. Yes, but that it day, better not be Birth of a Nation. That, we're, we're, you know what? We're coming. It's not going to be Birth of a Nation. We're coming up on the 100 year anniversary of the Cabinet of Doctor Caligari, which is very, very iconic. So who knows? Um, but yeah, one day we'll get to it. Another silent movie that was in that was on the list for December was Pandora's Box, which is also really. Really well acclaimed, oh, and I, think I haven't I saw, seen it. I saw the sequel, Sam. You, it's called uh, Avatar. You, <laughs> it came out. Okay, so it came out in two thousand nine. Have you uh-huh. heard of it? Yes, it's I've really heard great. Of uh, Avatar. <laughs> right. Well, the box becomes a planet. It, right. it is kind of crazy. The sequel. I where they went with it. Yes. You know that yeah. it it took uh, it took eighty years for the sequel to come out, which is almost as long as it's taking Avatar two to come out. Uh, wow, Sam, what a great connection you just made. What a brilliant Very connection. True. Yes, like poking a little fun at James Cameron, because I know he doesn't give a damn. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's only responsible <laughs> for some of the highest grossing films ever made. Literally, and like... none of them based on existing IP. For a funny. long time, had the two highest grossing movies ever made, and he still has yeah. like two and three. It's insane uh, yep. how he was able to prove everyone wrong. Avatar 2 is still a thing that I will believe when I see, but that day has yet to come. Another movie on the docket was On the Town with Frank Sinatra and uh, Gene Kelly. Have you seen that one? No, but you know me and Frank Sinatra movies. Not exactly first in line. Yeah, well, uh, On the Town is quite good. I think you might like it, John. It's this really exciting musical where these three sailors are like allowed to go on shore while they're uh, in the Navy, and they just... They just raise a ruckus, and it's a whole lot of fun. So check out On the Town. It's kind of it wouldn't have been enough to go into it because it's not like mm. it doesn't have this huge story legacy or anything, but it's really good. So I recommend it. Uh, another one, another G movie. We're actually going to have two in a row. Is a uh, a comedy I, I dearly love, Galaxy Quest. Are you a Galaxy Quest? Fan, oh, John? of course. Yeah, my man Alan Rickman. My man Alec Rickman. Everyone's before man, before Rickman. he turned to page three hundred and sixty-four, <laughs> ninety-four. Long after he was uh, the most lovable terrorist <laughs> that was acceptable. Shoot the glass. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, uh, Galaxy Quest is hilarious. It's also a really impressive movie about why fandom is really awesome and why loving something so ahead of its time. It's really ahead of its time, it, it, and it. Uh, I saw it before I ever saw any Star Trek movie or TV show, and I somehow like got all the references, and it was really powerful. I've gone back oh, to it since then. Uh, it's it's equally as good. So Galaxy Quest. I, I had seen like the Next Generation for yeah. sure, but yeah, not not as a big fan or anything like that. 
Sure. Yeah, it's it plays whether or not you have any familiarity with Star Trek beforehand. Uh, another option we had also from the year I was born, 1999, is the last G movie, uh, not rated G, but starting with a G, The Green Gox Mile. Gox of New York. Yeah, I don't even know what that is. The Green Mile, uh, which I have not seen. Are you, have you seen The Green Mile, John? The Green Mile, yeah, it's good. Yeah. And that's kind of where it ends. Like that's that's the yeah. most I've I've ever heard from it, which is that it's good. It's some, a milestone. It's not an will, extra milestone. Some will go so far as to say it's it's like on the verge of great, but yeah, it's it's just not an extra milestone, frankly. But then you find out they're they're thinking of eight mile, and you're like, oh okay, <laughs> eight mile, which also would be would be relevant uh, to this year's Oscars. It's so. weird. I I confused Green Mile, Eight Mile, and Road to Perdition. <laughs> All three of those just swimming around in my head. You know, like you do. Those three, yeah. those three occupy the same brain cell in John Negroni's head. Learn something yeah. new every day. Uh, <laughs> that I don't have a lot of brain cells. Yes. Fair enough. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta make room where I, you can. <laughs> we have a little bit of a boarding house situation in here. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, and the last one from 1999 is Being John Malkovich. Another one I haven't seen, and I've heard so many fascinating things. Uh, so I look forward. to You haven't seen to it. it. I have not oh, seen it. Oh, you should absolutely, absolutely see absolutely. it. Absolutely. I should absolutely alley. see being John Malkovich. You should shambolically watch it. I really <laughs> think you should. Especially because you like, you like really metaphorical, out there, Kaufman-esque, like, just bat crazy stuff. Yes. I think that's fair to say. Uh, so I look forward to getting around to it eventually. It just has not has not wound up on my cinematic plate yet. So maybe uh, someday in the near or far future it will. I look forward to that day. And finally, as we mentioned jokingly last episode, uh, it is the 10-year anniversary of Avatar, or was rather, back in December. Uh, as much mm-hmm. as Will Ashton wanted to devote an episode to it, we said, mm, nah. Honestly, I think Will he wants he wants a platform to declare <laughs> that he unironically loves Avatar. And he's been planning this fine. out, I'm telling you. Yeah. Which is fine. He, there's no there's no problem course, with loving it. But it of is course, just it's it is, fine. A it was released in the twenty first century, which just torpedoes our entire premise for the show. Uh and also yeah. uh extra I don't know. It's barely a milestone, <laughs> and it, the milestone aspect of it is already fading fast because it's not like, I mean, if you if you revisited it, there's nothing yeah. about it where you're like, wow, this movie had to happen, or else, three D movies just wouldn't be the big phenomenon they are today. No, I mean, I mean, they we we don't know. They might not be, but regardless, when was the last time you heard anyone talk about Avatar when it wasn't about the innovative technology or the fact that the sequel is taking for goddamn See, ever i hear people joking about avatar exactly that's it yeah i don't hear people being like oh, man remember avatar <laughs> but we, we we condescend we do condescend here yes however there is an entire generation of people in asia who love avatar oh yeah to them avatar is their star wars because they didn't get star wars hmm. but one of the first movies they ever saw in theaters in 2009 was avatar so they they'll hear us talking and they'll be like what a bunch of snobs because and they have every right to say that because we basically are being that but as sure. yes americans avatar was not really something special in the grand scheme of things but for a lot of people overseas it was like this big defining cinematic moment so <laughs> in that sense it would not have qualified for extra milestone right? <laughs> 
I love I love the way you 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 oscillated between <laughs> between diplomacy and being a total jerk. We just we don't have enough unobtainium <laughs> to uh, afford Be- because it's it's called unobtainium and they obtain it. Like that's just so nonsensical. To it's me. called setting goals, Sam. You they call sh- it unobtainium, so when you obtain it, you feel like you accomplish something. Yeah, maybe so. We like got this, it. this podcast we're about to do is unfinishable. But by God, <gasps> maybe we're we gonna can do finish it. it. John, the movie that won the extra milestone poll for the month of December, uh, twenty nineteen. Let's just pretend we're let's just pretend we're yeah. back in time. It's twenty nineteen. Yeah. Merry Christmas, Sam. Remember, it's it's the twenty tens, man. Oh, yeah. I don't know about this Bernie Sanders. Do you really think he could win all those primaries that are coming up? Well, I don't know. There's only one way to find out. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to talk about Gung Frankenstein. I, yes, that's. Oh, I see. It starts what, with a G. I see what you did. I don't. Yeah. I don't think that works on a variety of levels because we're going to talk gung? about gung Frankenstein. <laughs> that that's a word. You you you. When you're gung ho, yeah, gung ho Frankenstein. Gung ho Frankenstein. I don't know oh. what's going on with this this episode, John. We're talking about young Frankenstein, uh, Mel Brooks's iconic satire slash parody of uh, a lot of the old Universal Monster movies. Came out in 1974, mm-hmm. celebrated its 40, or I should say, celebrating its 45th anniversary this month, yeah. December. This you know. month of December. <laughs> yes. Impeachment, still going on. It's still going on. When will it end? Crazy. We ah. may never know. We're, we're, if only we had a date. We're, <laughs> we're horrendously dating ourselves in more ways than one. Uh yeah, Young Frankenstein. It's another comedy, second one in a row. So uh, it's interesting the way things work out that way. It's also well, people want to laugh during the holidays, Sam. That's true. It is the holidays. Yeah. Uh, well, it's the holidays. You know, three hundred sixty-five days a year. If you have the right mindset, it's uh, the prime holidays. Prime holidays. Yeah, it is the really good ones. This happens to be our first uh, jaunt into the year 1974 we did we did two 1979 movies alien and life of brian this is our first one in 74 and i think it's an interesting one to start because 1974 was like a huge year for really acclaimed movies that still hold up to this day we already talked about uh the uh the conversation and the godfather part two but there are a lot of really iconic movies that are still talked about like enter the dragon came out in 1974 um and uh and others that i can't remember off the yeah. top of my head well that would have been quite timely too with once upon a time in hollywood that's true yeah but uh we decided not to for whatever reason uh it was a good year is my point and so uh that we're that we're starting with this one and and potentially ending on it at least for the next half decade uh is 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 a poetic thing so i want to make the most of it uh and we're going to be meeting a lot of actors and filmmakers for the first time so uh, I think this will be an interesting one. Um, I say we we let's jump into the background. A young Frankenstein, shall we? I'm I'm ready. I'm I'm, I'm ready. ready as well. Uh, it is of course directed by uh, the one, the only Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks. Whoa, one of the funny guys. <laughs> That's right, one of the very funny guys. Hilarious. Still, still one of the. F- funniest human beings ever to walk the planet yeah um and i hope still walking the earth i believe right yes that's correct he's 93 years old that's killing it which is 
which is just a huge accomplishment for anyone. And I hope it's like, I hope it lasts for like, like, I don't know, another a hundred years. Let's invent yeah, the another technology. 93. Let's do it. Let's invent the technology just so Mel Brooks can stay just alive. For Mel Brooks. <laughs> Uh, and Carl Reiner's still alive too at 97. They they're holy cow. They had something. They figured something out back in the day, and they're still living off of it. I don't know what it is, but I want it because I do not. Mm. I do not. Plan I suspect on it has to do with lightning and hunchbacked <laughs> assistance. You're and... just waiting for me to to lob these over the net inadvertently, aren't you, John? If you're not going for the low hanging fruit, Sam. <laughs> Far be it for me to just walk it on by. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, Mel Brooks, a uh, little background on Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks was born in New York, born and raised, and is very much, very much has that New York attitude. You, like, if you've seen any interviews, uh, then then you'll recognize that uh, immediately. Um, was drafted into the U.S. Army, World War II, 1944, I believe was a year on that. Um, tells a lot of stories about that. And then after that, just sort of went seamlessly into show business. At a, at a very young age, he was just captivated by, uh, by the theater. And uh, it's easy to see why, especially back in the glamorous days of uh, you know the, the 30s and 40s and 50s and stuff. You can see why someone would be just totally jazzed by that. Um, and so after the after leaving the army, just went into show business and then became associated with Sid Caesar, a personal friend of his. Um, and one thing led to another. They created your show of shows along with Carl Reiner, who I already mentioned. Um, that lasted for some time. And then uh, Carl Reiner and Mel Brooks kind of split off and did their own thing and uh, and really struck gold with this routine they called the 2,000-year-old man in which Mel Brooks played a man who has who was alive at the time that Jesus was crucified so more another life of Brian connection how weird is that um and would just tell these funny stories uh, and it was it was mostly improvisational like uh Carl Reiner would just sort of feed him the setups to jokes not unlike what we're doing now so in essence you're <laughs> the Mel Brooks of this podcast and I am the Carl Reiner of you give us an, an unbelievable amount of too much credit <laughs> you know what you're you're absolutely right and i regret ever doing that uh we are not we're not uh we're not carl reiner and mel brooks we're more like um i don't know siegfried and roy or something that's what i was gonna say <laughs> sam you're in my head welcome there's not a lot of space it's uh, you're going to have to share a bathroom sit uh, uh, well we could talk about that later uh, it's it's a Samfried and Negronoi. How does that wow. sound? <laughs> that sounds terrible. Oh, sure. I get a wow for my pun. The well, one you know, time... it's Mel Brooks. Well, okay, if it's Mel Brooks, can we at least be the cantankerous old man in the Muppet movie? <laughs> what are they? Statler and Waldorf? Is that the ones you're thinking yeah, of? Yeah, is that their names? I think so, yeah. The, the, just the curmudgeon old men who just hate everything uh which is what which is what a lot of a lot of people see critics as that so i think it's only a natural continuation um but yeah they they really struck gold with this 2000 year old man routine um and that sort of that sort of gave them gave them the leeway to uh to to get into higher profile stuff uh mel brooks created the show get smart with uh with buck henry uh another another uh show business worker of the era and uh from there sort of naturally pivoted to cinema um mel brooks's first feature length 
movie, as far as I remember, is The Producers, um, which also stars Gene Wilder. That was their first collaboration. Well, uh, I don't want you to skip over The Critic, mm. his short animated film. That's right. I was I was wondering, I was debating whether or not to mention that, but yes. Well, it's, it's an important one because uh, it's one of the things that inspired uh, Mystery Science Theater. Yes. And guess who presented uh, it as one of the short film Oscars? None other than okay. Shirley MacLaine. Really, that's awesome. Yeah. And it won the award, if I'm not, if I'm, if I remember correctly. So, uh, for for animated short, um, it might have. I forget actually. I, I I'm pretty sure it won the award in 1970 something. Uh, yep, you're right. You're right. It won. Regardless, it was, uh, no, it was 1964. 64. My apologies. Uh, I'm off by a whole decade. It happens from time yeah. to time. But then, then the producers. Then the producers, yes, starring starring uh, Zero Zero Mustel and Gene Wilder as these two they as these two like Broadway agents who kind of happen upon this tremendous success. It's a really funny movie. I don't know. You've seen the producers, right, John? Oh yes. Yeah. Uh, it's wonderful, and people forget it's a cult classic. Oh yeah. Uh, Gene Brooks or Gene, Gene Brooks. Brooks. Gene Wilder <laughs> and Mel Brooks did yes. not have a lot of successful like really successful movies at all <laughs> yeah um, until much later in their careers i think blazing saddles was the first one that was actually a hit yeah matter of fact uh the the failure of or not necessarily failure but just sort of the disappointment of the producers um and willy wonk in the chocolate factory was sort of what yeah. inspired uh gene wilder to go in this sort of different direction sort of less less unusual and more broadly comedic um but we'll get to that later and then i didn't know this before i did not realize that there was that mel brooks did a movie between the producers and blazing saddles called 12 chairs which apparently is I've not never notable it's apparently it's not notable whatsoever it was a failure critically and commercially um which is a shame of course but i'm sure if i watched it i'd be like eh, maybe it was maybe it was an off year or something um yeah that, that was Franklin the year Jell is in it Say again? Frank Langella was in it. Yeah, Frank Langella. Very young Frank Langella. So that would be... Mm-hmm. I'm, I I admit I'm curious now, so maybe I'll have to get around to 12 chairs. Um, yeah, it's it's like a really famous Russian novel, right? Yeah, yeah. That's been made into a film a bunch of times, but uh-huh. I've never seen any of the adaptations. So yeah, and apparently it's not unlike other Mel Brooks movies. It's not like a direct adaptation. It's more of a, it's more of just sort of a riff on it that uh, takes a lot of the same beats and stuff like that. Um, who, who knows? Uh, we don't, apparently. <laughs> but who knows? Maybe it's worth checking out. And then after that, um, after, after kind of a, kind of a slump, uh, didn't really do much. And then in 1973, I want to say, um, Mel Brooks was approached to direct Blazing Saddles. I was fascinated to find this out. He was he was kind of a director for hire, for all intents and purposes, for Blazing Saddles. But he really came in, just swooped in, and completely made it its own. To, to the point that it's now recognized as one of the definitive Mel Brooks movies. Uh, and it's really, really funny. It still holds up. Uh, and I wonder if you agree, Jonathan. Uh, in my opinion, Blazing Saddles is his best movie yeah. and his funniest. Yeah, you're, it's and and you're not wrong to think so. It's it's really hilarious. Um, just the the entire sequence at the end where they break they break out of the movie and like rush into the into the Warner Brothers set. Uh, Mel Brooks told a story that there was this 
like there was this guy on the set who kept walking in past the guards when he wasn't supposed to like while they were filming the scene where everyone runs out of the studio and uh for the first couple of takes tried to get him out of the way but then eventually said you know what it's that's funny just leave it in and so if you'll notice during that scene there's just a bystander like like in this sweater vest just sort of looking around as all these costumed actors are rushing out of the Warner Brothers set uh, with Cleavon Little on a horse. And it's <laughs> and it's really funny, especially if you know it's there. Uh, and, you know, they do a lot of that, like improvising with young Frankenstein, too. Just like oh, yeah. gags that they happen upon and decide, yeah, let's put that in the movie. Yeah, why not? There's 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 no reason. Uh, Mel Brooks. It's is, a comedy. Mel so Brooks is, is, was founded on uh, improvisation, so it makes sense that they would carry over to the the uh, the cinematic works that he would eventually create. Uh, so Blazing Saddles that came out in, if memory serves, February of 1974, uh, and this is where we enter Gene Wilder officially. Um, like I said before, Gene Wilder was sort of in like this financial turmoil a little bit. Um, but in the year, I want to say 72, it might've been 1971. Um, he hit a little bit of success. With 72, 72 with Woody yeah. Allen's, uh, Woody Allen's comedy, sort of a anthology comedy. Everything you always wanted to know about sex. Asterisk. But we're afraid to ask. But we're afraid to ask. Uh, have you I seen that, that one, title. John? No, I haven't. I I wanted to, and then it turned out that Woody Allen was Woody Allen. Yeah. And so I haven't really watched a Woody Allen film since. But I, yeah, it was yeah. on my list for the longest time. No, yeah, and you're and you're totally right to do so. I watched it. I can't remember if it was before or after, but I did see it a few years back. Um, and Gene Wilder is only in it for about ten minutes, if that. Um, and he plays like I can't remember if it's a therapist or like a doctor. But this character comes in and makes this really strange confession about a pig. That's that's all the detail I'll go into. And just it take it's like it might be 30 seconds of Gene Wilder just reacting to it and having all these really subtle little facial changes like just goes through an entire arc in that one scene. So so Gene Wilder is really uh, is really firing on all cylinders for the limited amount of time he has in that movie. And so the success of that get, sort of freed him up to uh, pursue this idea that he had had for the longest time, which was um, sort of a sort of a riff on the Universal Frankenstein movies, um, which is what Young Frankenstein ended up being at the end of the day. Um, and he actually, he had like a screenplay, right? Cause Wilder was like a screenwriter. He had yeah. like dabbled in it. He had dabbled in it. This was the first time what, the, where he really decided to go all in. And what happened was that his agent, uh, Mike Metavoy said, this is a good idea here. I suggest that you, that you get these two other actors that I'm, that I'm, uh, sponsoring Peter Boyle and Marty, Marty Feldman involved, um, one thing led to another that ended up being the case. Mike Metavoy suggested you should get Mel Brooks as the director, um, which Wilder liked the idea of and uh, approached Mel Brooks on the set of Blazing Saddles. Mel Brooks was hesitant at first, said it just didn't seem like didn't seem like a substantial enough idea, um, but was eventually convinced when Gene Wilder, uh, Gene Wilder s sort of pitched it as a descendant of the the Frankenstein that we've all that we they'd all come to know over the past three quarters of a century almost uh and said this is a descendant 
of that Frankenstein who wants nothing to do with those wackos or something like that. And Gene Wild and uh, and uh, Mel Brooks thought that was funny, and thus the collaboration was born. Um, and I think it's interesting at this point to bring up the sort of a history of Frankenstein in cinema up to that point. Uh, the novel was published in 1819, I want to say, somewhere around there, uh, somewhere around the, the very early 19th century. Um, and then sort of right around the dawn of cinema in the year 1910 was the first film adaptation of Frankenstein. And it's this 15-minute silent short. Uh, I watched it just now. It actually holds up quite well. It's really creepy and uh, sort of ominous, like really faithful to sort of the spirit of the novel, uh, more so than most of the other, if not all of the other Frankenstein movies I've seen. Um, There's this really horrific image where to visualize like the formation of the creature, they burned a doll like just set it on fire and let it burn to ash and they filmed that and then played it in reverse. So you see this thing like sort of materializing out of thin air and the arm is waggling. It's really eerie and uh, it's only 15 minutes long. So naturally like, like 95% of the book is cut out. Uh, So it, it doesn't, doesn't quite do it justice, but that was kind of the first one. And then there were a few, there were a few others throughout the silent era, but it wasn't until 1931 when universal, uh, made their first Frankenstein movie starring Boris Karloff, uh, directed by James Whale, that sort of birthed the idea of the Frankenstein mythos as we know it today. Now, John, you've seen the classic Universal Frankenstein movies, right? Or at least some of them? Most of them, yes. Yeah. Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein. Yep. And uh, I think I think I saw Son of Frankenstein. Uh-huh. If I did, it was like very brief. Yeah. I did not see Ghost of Frankenstein. Ghost of Frankenstein is completely unremarkable. I cannot I cannot tell you anything about it with a gun to my head, except that like all the other Careful, movies, Sam, there's a gun to your head there's right now. There's a gun now. to my head, oh god. And I know you can't say anything, so you... <laughs> Oh right, god, you're safe. what an apropos way to go. <laughs> that would have yes, very specific downfall, but a downfall nonetheless. Oh goodness! Yeah, that would have that would be. Can you imagine the amount of downloads we would get if that would if that actually happened? If I was shot and if killed had, for yeah, not being able to, to remember this thing by myself <laughs> in tears <laughs> for not being able to remember Ghost of Frankenstein, <laughs> I get the punishment of death. I um, can't even like secretly give you hints. You wouldn't be able to, I don't think, unless you were. I'd have to, to make it up. I haven't seen it. You'd have to look it up on the sly and whisper it to me over yeah. the headphones. Uh, uh, the twist is is IMDb. Ah, <laughs> oh, dang. Yeah, uh, IMDb cuts off right at the twist. I cannot remember a thing about it. But after that, uh, Frankenstein crossed paths with the Wolfman, and that's where sort of the interconnected Universal Monster uh, universe was born, and the the cinematic universe as we know it kind of originates there for all intents and purposes, at least in cinema. That was the first time that they sort of crossed multiple characters that had not crossed paths before just because the same studio owned the characters. And they eventually met Dracula and the Invisible Man. Ah, uh, yes, Dracula from the beginning of the show. From the beginning of the show. That's what we call a callback in the biz. Honestly, Sam Nolan, I think what is important for the listeners to know is that this universe did get its, its comeback. With the dark universe, it, it the most successful not. cinematic universe it has tried of our time, twice to get going, and it is completely <laughs> more than twice. Fa- it, it has completely failed this far. Twice, notably, there was Dracula Untold, 
which yeah. is which is a pile there was of garbage. Wolfman. And then 2010. There, and that was I thought that was oh the Wolfman. I forgot about the yeah. Wolfman. Oh, and goodness. then Mummy. That Wolfman is coming up on its tenth anniversary. We're gonna have to put that on a poll because there's we... another milestone <laughs> on how qu- how quickly you can doom an entire interconnected universe. Yes, yeah. they've done it like three times, and then the mummy tried to get it started, and it just and I they were it was looking hint. it was looking like it was gonna work, but then but it just did so poorly in every conceivable way. And now the Invisible Man, I don't even know if they're if they're even bothering with the cinematic universe or anything. Time will tell that. Um, I think it's it is supposed to be related ish, but it's Blumhouse yeah. and yes. it's Elizabeth Moss, and she's not invisible. It's like she's, and she's also not a by man. Invisible man, so it's a totally different take. So, and you're not supposed to like Invisible Man, so it's not an anti-hero thing. He's an outright villain. Yeah. So. Yeah, maybe so. They're, well, they're going in a different me. direction. That is not. It's not the first time they did that. The Mummy was significantly different from the Universal take from the '30s. Mm. Uh, but look how that turned out. So who knows? Maybe this one will work out. But the point is that it worked out before. Like, it, like they had a pretty good thing going on there. And they eventually met Abbott on, and Costello. And they really mind that. So uh, Frankenstein for a while was just was part of Universal. And then in the 50s through the 70s, um, Hammer Horror, the studio, they made a lot of Frankenstein movies starring Peter Cushing. Um but the, those are not remembered nearly as much. The, the the idea of Frankenstein's monster as this green, flat-headed, like, neck bolts and stitches everywhere kind of thing, that, that as we know it, came from... Uh, Hotel Transylvania. From Hotel Transylvania. Is, is it Kevin James who voices Frankenstein's monster <laughs> in that one? I would uh, love, sure. I would love for that to be the 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 original point of reference the year 2012 that's 100 years from now (laughs) some some uh kids will be like yeah yeah but remember that old movie back when movie theaters were just a flat screen oh yeah back before it was this fahrenheit 451 like immersion chamber or something but yeah so that's the the universal frankenstein movies is what they really took um as as inspiration for young Frankenstein, most specifically the the those first three, which are Frankenstein, which is the classic tale uh, reworked a bit, Bride of Frankenstein, which posited that Mary Shelley had like an appendix that she never published, and uh, where where uh, where the monster gets a mate, which was actually almost a plot point in the novel. Um, that was sort of that was sort of the deal that the monster was going to make with Doctor Frankenstein, but it didn't work out. Uh, in a lot of ways. Sam, isn't that a plot point in most of our novels? How the, how yeah. there how a it love interest is sort of materialized out of thin air. <laughs> Man, it's like very artificial and it's yeah. just and uh, <laughs> feels a little unnecessary really. Yeah. really logically break it down. Yeah. It's a uh, it it doesn't make a whole lot of cinema doesn't make sense if you really think about it, which is why it's important not to when the time is right. Uh, Bride of Frankenstein. We're, we're fans of love and romance here yeah. at Extra Milestone. <laughs> uh, yes, I'll I'll go with that. I'll allow you. I'll grant you this one, John. Um, yeah, Bride of Frankenstein is really interesting. That's the one where the Frankenstein monster turns out didn't die, so it really just kind of completely shoots the ending of the original in the foot, where it looked like the monster died in like this burning windmill accident, and Doctor Frankenstein survived. Um, yeah, Frankenstein was the original Michael Myers. 
Yeah, I guess so. I mean both by Michael Myers. Yeah, by honestly, (laughs) it was the original Mike Myers as well. Um, Yeah, that's kind of the joke because I watched all those in kind of rapid succession, and I just could not help but notice like, can this thing stay dead? Like, how powerful is that lightning that it made it completely invincible? Uh, Turns out lightning goes a long way, John. So remember that next time you're in a lightning storm, it might just make you immortal at all costs because it it becomes like a kind of a cheap gag at one point. How at the beginning of every movie, they go to like the place where the monster previously died and said, oh, yeah, also not that like the monster is still alive. It's so perfunctory after a while. There's a lot to be said about the way that in our mythic monoculture, we perceive lightning as a giver of life, but with consequences. So with Frankenstein, of course, it brings about life, but with a doomed undercurrent of despair and destruction. And and, then our superhero myths have the Flash, for example, where lightning is both a blessing and a curse. That's correct. And, and that is the source of that story's progression. Yeah. And a lot could be said in, in, in my video essay. I will. Uh... <laughs> yeah. You, you know, you're being kind of tongue in cheek right now, but you're not wrong. It's it's sort of the idea of how uh, playing with God or playing. What's what am I? What's the phrase I'm looking for? Playing God sort of. With, taking... You're right. With great power comes, comes great. great yeah. Yeah. The, that's the thing. But yeah, it, how it really is just doomed to fail in every conceivable way. And I think that kind of plays into young Frankenstein in a way that I'll mention here in a moment. And cinemaholics in a way. And cinemaholics. We refuse to, to we refuse to stay down. You know what Rocky said? It's not about how many times you get knocked down. It's about how many you get back well, up. It's about know? how many downloads we get on a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> it's about how many times it gets listened to years from now, you know? Uh, the only time will tell, though, so I guess we just got to wait it out, and eventually yeah, we'll get there. Once upon a time in Hollywood, it got way more downloads a year later, because people were curious about the Brad Pitt's Oscar. They were like, what did happen in Hollywood? Oh, we want to know. I don't know how... Mary Shelley. (laughs) There's a Frankenstein monster. I'd love to see Stallone play Frankenstein's monster. (laughs) Can you imagine that? That would be fantastic. Just Um, dress up as, like, Frankenstein for Halloween. We digress dramatically. Young uh, Bride of Frankenstein is really interesting. That's the one where uh, fr- where Frankenstein's monster stumbles into the cottage of a blind man, which is uh, paid homage to in Young Frankenstein. It's also the one yeah. where uh, uh, the the title character, the Bride of Frankenstein, which should be the Bride of Frankenstein's monster. So that that misperception was kind of born in 1935. Um, but, well, hold on. Yeah? Freeze frame. There's hold no everything. frames. Isn't the idea... Hold that sound. <laughs> Isn't the idea that he's Frankenstein's monster, but also Frankenstein's son, yes. sort of. Yes. And so he, the monster is also Frankenstein. That's true. It's taking, it's taking the name of the father. In that case, I put it yeah. to you, what Literally, is the monster's first name? And young Frankenstein kind of plays with that joke, doesn't it, it Sam? Does. It does. We'll and as a matter it. of fact, in the the third in the original Universal trilogy, uh, Son of Frankenstein references that too. Like uh, that's the one where the son of Victor, or in that movie Henry Frankenstein, um, sort of goes back to the castle and and says like, "Oh wow, everyone." Uh, 
uses my name to refer to the monster, and that's so hurtful. Uh, it's sort of where the plot of Young Frankenstein comes about, come to think of it, where this mm. were uh, an ancestor, or no, what's the word? A, a sex, a successor? What's the word? Six. A descendant. That's the word. A descendant. You know, Sam, and, and to be fair, I yeah. mean, we've been, I think we've been pronouncing, we've been saying uh, yes. Frankenstein. Yes. I think we have it a little bit wrong uh-huh. there. I think it's pronounced something a little differently. Uh-huh. It's German. <laughs> I might have forgotten that. Uh, I think it's I think it's pronounced Frankenstein. <laughs> Frankenstein. Yeah. Uh it is not Frankenstein. <laughs> uh yeah, that they 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 certainly get a lot of mileage out of that one pronunciation joke. Um but yeah, and that was, uh, son of Frankenstein was also the one where there was like a law officer with a fake arm that he had to manipulate with the other hand. So that's where that joke comes from as well. So it's really mm-hmm. sort of taking all three of these movies, not so much the rest of them with the, you know, the Wolfman or the Ghost of Frankenstein or anything, and mashing them all together while also uh, constructing it in such a way that it could... Uh, if you want to, it could be interpreted that this just does take place like a couple of generations after those movies that we saw back in the 30s. Right. I think it's interesting. It, the it way feels it does like that. a sequel in a lot of ways. Yeah, a, a very tonally different sequel, but a sequel nonetheless. So it's it, a sequel, but it does still take itself kind of seriously at points. Yeah, I want to point out it is funny because this is a movie that is be- most appreciated if you know the universal movie monster movies and you know their jokes and or where the jokes come from and all that so not all that similar from a food a film we talked about a few months ago hmm. on extra milestone called ed wood oh uh, yes yes i had not put that together but that's very interesting also a movie that chose stylistically uh to be black and white so there are more connections than we think right it all even though comes they're together, 20 John. years 20 years apart uh yeah yeah seventy four to ninety four that is that is twenty years I'm always wary of your math John <laughs> never forget wow. you mess up I mess up a math problem fourteen times in a row and now all of a times. sudden I've lost your trust yes imagine that fifteen was the breaking point um yeah that was that was the idea going in and so uh, Gene Wilder and Mel Brooks um spent. A a good long while, um, just sort of writing this movie little by little. And the funny thing that I found out was that um, you'll notice Mel Brooks is not in Young Frankenstein, at least not on camera. He has a couple of voice roles, but uh, unlike his other movies, he does not appear in a supporting role. And that was at the request of Gene Wilder, um, because what happened was that... So rude. It's so rude, uh, Gene. Come on, just give just give Mel a little screen time. It won't be, it won't be that hard. Um, but what happened was that when they were making Blazing Saddles, Gene Wilder uh, replaced an actor named Gig Young to play the Waco kid um, from Blazing Saddles, and sort of looked at this as a favor that he did for Mel Brooks, and said, "Now, in return, don't be in the movie. You're gonna ruin it." Like Gene Wilder was very adamant about that, apparently saying that it's gonna, it's it's it. Like, it just wouldn't fit with the tone that we're doing. Um, and I wonder what that would have looked like had Mel Brooks insisted on playing a role in this movie. I wonder which one would it be. Uh, that's mm-hmm. that's kind Probably of Probably the blind thing. priest. Maybe, yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking. But, I don't know, Gene Hackman is... 
uh, is so yeah. just perfect in that role. So I, it would be hard <laughs> to imagine it any other way. I'm sure Mel could pull it off. But what we got, I think, is just fine. Um, and it's a good thing we did because originally it was going to be per, uh, funded by Columbia but they were really stingy about it. They said that they said, "No, we want we won't give you this much money. We'll give you this much, a smaller amount." And they said, "Okay, let's go to Fox and see." It, it's like the equivalent of when one parent says no and you go to the other one and and they say yes. So there's really nothing they could do about it. Fox agreed to give them the budget they wanted to. So that is what eventually happened. So that's why you see the Fox logo in black and white um, at the beginning of Young Frankenstein. Uh, and it all just kind of came together. They got Ken Strickfaden, the set designer, uh, set designer and special effects technician uh, from the original Universal movies. It's really impressive that uh, that he was still alive and that he was willing to do it. Matter of fact, a lot of the sets in the movie yeah. are are the, ex- the exact same sets that they use. A lot of the props as well. Uh, you'll recognize a lot of, if you've seen the original ones, you'll recognize the castle. It's like the exact same castle, so it's really impressive that they did that. And Mel Brooks got his longtime composer, uh, musical collaborator, to conduct the score for it, which is very impressively reminiscent of those original Universal movies. They all start with sort of this really ominous kind of uh, uh, mysterious tone that sort of sets sets a tone of dread going in and i think it's really successful um the the opening credits of young frankenstein how they're able to evoke that um john i i would like to ask you at this point what is what is your experience with young frankenstein uh how many times have you seen it and how i would like to know yeah i've seen it at least twice Mm. it's a movie that i would you know would see whenever it would come on like turner classic or something like that and catch a few scenes uh first time i watched it was on as a kid it was one of the first monster movies i ever saw in fact it might be the first one Mm. because i think i saw it on cable and i i knew who frankenstein was because of the permeation of pop culture of course right but at no point do i remember being like watching mummy or dracula or anything like that without really understanding the universal monster movies and what they represent and i think i watched young frankenstein the first time in that context and i've always been aware of what that movie is you know memory of it, it's pretty strong it's probably about 10 or 11 years old hmm. and then the second time was last week last week yes yeah in preparation watched it on in preparation of my friend's birthday and i wanted to <laughs> go to his birthday and be really equipped with <laughs> young Frankenstein <laughs> trivia. It worked out, by the way, that we're doing that. The listeners chose this movie. Oh, you're not joking! I was about to say, I don't know how this. <laughs> oh, I'm. I don't know yeah, how you. I don't know sorry, how you come up. Sorry, with this Sam. Stuff, I don't know how to break it to you that I don't go to birthday parties just blasting people with. <laughs> Mel Brooks comedies from the 70s related the, trivia. The image of John Negroni at like a birthday party and I'm imagining like a kid's birthday party and then this like this like almost 30 year old guy comes up, hey do you know that young Frankenstein? <laughs> Happy birthday to uh, Gene Wilder said that Mel Brooks couldn't be in it. Mel Brooks <laughs> broke the fourth wall too much. <laughs> This anymore. is the the fact that I don't have to stretch to envision that is 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 interesting to me. But <laughs> maybe we can explore that at a later date. Um, yes, yes, you are invited to all my therapy sessions. That's good. That's good. I was I'm wondering. Sure that's what you meant. I was wondering when you would say that. Um, 
But I think we, we got a little sidetracked. Uh, I wanted to bring up that uh, you had to watch it on Blu-ray that you ordered, correct? I, I watched it on Blu-ray. Yeah. And uh, yeah, library didn't have it. Yeah. It's, it's hard I to find. I needed it quick. I couldn't wait. So I, I went on that their old Amazon.com and there, lo and behold, I got it delivered 24 hours later, Young Frankenstein. Amazon. My doorstep. You've done it again. Uh, we applaud yeah. you, Amazon. But yeah. Amazon no. amazing. This movie is this movie is hard to find. Um, it was it was not released on uh, on DVD. It was released in like '98, I want to say. Um, yeah. And then again in 2004, and uh, 2006. 2006, and then uh, the most recent time they did the Blu-ray version in 2014 for the 40th yeah. anniversary. Uh, and that's what I have. I found it at Barnes and Noble a, a ways back. Um, so I just happened to have it. So I did not know that it was yeah. sort of this sort of this buried relic of the 70s that you had to you had to look for to find um yeah you can't stream it uh anywhere you yeah. can't rent it online watch it on itunes or amazon video mm. any of that stuff you have to have the physical copy which yeah. is a rarity these days especially yeah. for a movie that's so well known it's 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 strange to think about i wonder i wonder if there's some sort of legal thing going on with that or if, or if they just not notice like oh we didn't put young frankenstein on the thing holy hell like if it's well just been... you know it's funny because it's 20th century fox which means that we could see it show yeah. up on disney plus at some point if they ever that... decide that they want to include it yeah that would be interesting i wonder if some of the jokes would be like just a tad too racy for disney plus mm. um because I forget, it's, it's 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 PG, right? Or is it G? Because this is 1974. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, but they might they, you know, they they might be averse to it. Um, they've certainly hasn't stopped them before. Because there's sure a lot of things there's, they do there's own. stuff. Yeah, there's stuff on Disney Plus that's a little suggestive. Yeah. So maybe I don't so. Know. Maybe so. Regardless, we both saw it, uh, and we both. Uh, we're we're both ready to dive headfirst into well, this conversation. Yeah, that's true. Did you say when? Did you say the first time was? Oh right, right. I told. I totally. I skipped over myself. I didn't take my own feelings into account. Like tell, us, I, tell us all about Baby Sam's <laughs> first time with Young Frankenstein. But, well, Baby Sam is gonna is is closer to like fifteen year old Sam because I saw this first. I saw this on DVD. My dad had it and was uh, was always encouraging me to watch it. So I watched it with my dad. I watched it with my mom, I watched it by myself, and then I watched it by myself again. And th this is over the course of like five or six years. So I've seen it I've seen it uh, four times, um, and of wow. course, like, I've, I've caught bits and pieces here and there, just online and stuff. No so, wonder you gave it, that's not how Letterboxd works, Sam. You don't give it one star for every time you've seen it. That's why you gave it four stars. Okay, I understand now. In that case, everything I see would, like, almost everything would be a one-star movie. I thought, that, I did think it was weird you gave Parasite one star, but I get, I, a week later, you did bump it up to two. Listen, I have seen Parasite four times, so your your ah. theory does not even hold water at this point. Well, it's December 2019, Sam, or have you forgotten? <laughs> Anything could happen. We're we're having this... we're about to have Y two K twenty K. There's too much time machine know. stuff going on right now. Too much time machines is never a bad thing, I say. Um, yeah, no wonder those guns were to your head earlier. You're playing with something you shouldn't have been playing around with, Sam. I, I got involved in something that was way over my head. Prove, prove you're not a time traveler. Tell Whoa. us about Ghost of Frankenstein. Oh Gun to gosh. Your head. Oh. 
Oh, I knew I forgot to do something. <laughs> yeah. Ghost of Frankenstein. got caught. Yeah, I've seen Ghost of Frankenstein. I can't remember anything <laughs> about it. It still blows my mind. Like, I cannot, like, literally a thing. I don't even remember the ghost of Frankenstein. To the point where I can't remember if it's a ghost of the monster or of the doctor. And you would think that image, at least, would stick in my head. But no, nothing. It's gone. I can't believe it. Um, I think that's a perfect segue into something completely different. (laughs) And now for something completely different. Very nice. Little callback to our episode from November last month, right? Always plugging, yes. (laughs) Even though it's funny because we did that episode at the end of December. What are you talking about, John? Oh, yeah, you're right. We're always on we did time. that one early yeah we recorded it in october released it in november yeah and pretended happened. that we recorded it in december we were just very cheeky about it in keeping with the uh, comedic stylings of monty python which i think was a very interesting decision whether or not anyone actually acknowledges it as being a real thing uh we're we're going out of our minds again john let's get into young frankenstein let's let's sort of run down let's give like a basic idea of the premise first so yeah as we've alluded uh it is about a descendant of victor frankenstein the man who harnessed lightning and brought life where there was none uh it all happened in this movie's past it's a thing it all happened in the past so that so that would mean i did the math and this takes place Somewhere around the 1890s, I want to say, because they make a reference to a philosopher who had just died, uh, and uh, and that was it was it was somewhere around there. But it's been some time, and there is. Now... I thought this was. I thought this movie was further along for some reason. Like I, I thought it was more like 20th century. It might have been like really early 20th century, but the point is that it's the grandson of Henry Frankenstein. Uh, and the great grandson of Beaufort Frankenstein, incidentally, who I guess is the the owner of the deed to the castle, the Frankenstein castle, um, Victor Frankenstein, as he likes to pronounce, not Frankenstein, as he points out numerous times throughout the movie, um, and is like a is like a university teacher and has completely like tried to tried to disown and completely uh, uh, disacknowledge any connection to victor frankenstein that heinous that heinous man who tried to do the work of the gods and paid the price for it uh and i I can't i can't judge it's basically what i did when i moved to california (laughs) try to cut all ties with any with any you don't don't know how you don't know how negroni is actually pronounced (laughs) well negroni is a drink so did you did your family invent that i like Mm. to think they did uh no comment <laughs> did you invent that john was it you <laughs> i would not be proud of it if, i i know sam you have you are not yet of drinking age never had a drop of you alcohol have not tried life. a negroni yeah they are absolutely disgusting Ooh, just like our legacy like <laughs> you're you're jumping to conclusions there but but fair enough uh yeah victor frankenstein is a is a teacher at a university and and gets into some very hilarious shenanigans right up front and then receives a mysterious letter like you do saying you've inherited your great grandfather's castle in transylvania of all places um right we mentioned frederick is uh, in america 
Yes. Did I say Victor? I'm, I've been meaning to say Frederick. Frederick. Frederick Frankenstein. Victor is his grandfather. That's correct. I get all the Frankensteins confused because for, for no particular reason, the original Universal movies changed it from Victor to Henry. So that just throw, that's just one too many wrenches thrown into the gears of Frankenstein. And it's been completely throwing my mind for a loop for weeks now, and I will have none of it. It's Frederick Frankenstein, or as, or as Igor jokingly uh, says, uh, Friedrich Frankenstein. <laughs> Uh, which is which is very funny to me. Um, yeah, Frederick boards the train, goes to Transylvania, comes across uh, Igor or Igor as he as he likes to pronounce his name. Uh, well, and, I think he's isn't he sort of trolling? Yes, uh, Frederick by saying that by being like, oh, it's Igor. That's the that's the whole idea. We'll get we'll get to how much life and energy Igor brings into this movie. But yeah, that's the basic idea is that he's sort of like sort of like, oh yeah, well I can be hipstery too. Like the 1890 equivalent of it, basically. Uh meets Igor and meets Inga, the lab assistant, played by the great Terry Gar, and they go to the castle and are just sort of like hanging out in the castle and uh through a through a mishap with a bookcase comes across the secret lab and library of and I'm, ma- I'm making sure I'm getting this right Victor Frankenstein the monster that's guy. the one yes and decide and, and says wait a minute it could work and sets about trying to replicate his grandfather's work and if you've seen literally any of the universal Frankenstein movies it pretty much just does that but it's really funny for the rest of but the with movie. Jokes. With with a lot of jokes, with a lot of a lot of really uh just kind of just not not even absurd humor. I'm trying to figure out what the what the what the right word is it cuz it's not there, like there's other dry humor in there, but then there's yeah. also very like obvious wordplay humor. Yeah, it's a yeah. weird mix. It's a really weird mix. It's 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 not like other Mel Brooks movies that we mentioned before. Uh another a movie that came after this that we didn't get to. Uh Spaceballs is not like that. It's not like Robin Hood Men in Tights. It's very clear. It's very apparent once once I did the research that this is not completely Mel Brooks's baby. So I think it's interesting to note the differences in senses of humor. But uh John Yeah I think there's there's not that much slapstick. Like there is, uh-huh. and there's like, like a few scenes where you can tell Mel Brooks was like, like the turn the candle scene. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like, yeah, that's him doing his his high energy stuff. Uh-huh. But there's a lot of like low energy, like slow humor too. Yeah, to the point where like it, I'm still noticing new jokes that I never noticed were there because uh, they'll they, they sort of come and go like in the blink of an eye. Like like there are certain jokes you'll miss. Uh, but the good news is that there's always another one, like right around the corner. You never have to wait too long for something quite funny in this movie. Uh, which brings us to the part of the show where John, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta let this cat out of the bag. So I've mm-hmm. been, uh, I've been praising Young Frankenstein. I've been saying that it's hilarious. Uh, John already revealed I gave it four stars. I think it's quite good as comedies go. It is at this point where John. What do you think of Young Frankenstein? Having gone back to see it as as a relatively of sound mind adult man, mm. what do you think of Young Frankenstein? Well, Sam. Yeah. It's tough. It's mm-hmm. tough to evaluate the films of the past. Yeah. I know that's what this entire podcast is dedicated to. Uh-huh. But still, it's hard. And... <laughs> 
it's difficult. It's difficult to say this because every extra milestone we've done, yeah, I have found myself either loving something more or loving something about the same. Usually in between. Sometimes mm. I've been completely surprised by how much I've liked something. Yeah. And these are the ones that you've seen before and gone back to watch again. A bunch of them, yeah. Yeah. This one, you know, I wasn't sure what to expect. I was like, yeah, you know what? I haven't seen Young Frankenstein since the heyday, back when it wasn't Negroni, it was Negroni. <laughs> and we had pride in the name. <laughs> Sam. Yeah. I don't I don't really like Young Frankenstein. I knew it. I didn't I didn't really enjoy watching this movie. Yeah. I was I was mostly bored. Uh-huh. I didn't laugh a lot. Uh-huh. And uh you know, I don't think it's bad. Okay. Obviously not a bad movie. I think it'd be insane to be like, well, the movie's obviously bad and everyone's wrong. That sure. that would be a very misguided decision of words. I I just think this movie is not my sense of humor. Okay. Weirdly enough, it it's not that different from other films I find hilarious. There's just something about it. Hmm. I think that I just never am able to connect with the balance between parody and it's a serious sequel. Hmm. Because there's a lot of jokes. Yes. But there's also a lot of like... You do get the sense that Gene Wilder wanted this to be a legit Frankenstein movie. Hmm. And I understand a lot. That's what a lot of people love about this. I just, I can't appreciate it on either level because it's half of each thing instead of one complete film that I can fully enjoy. Hmm. So you think like the persona of Gene Wilder and Mel Brooks are sort of clashing, so to speak, right before your eyes? It's possible. And I think most of gene wilder shines through uh-huh. and i think that's probably why i don't like it as much interesting whereas i think that blazing saddles and Spaceballs, his two funniest movies in my opinion sure feel much more like mel brooks was in full control or at least he had like a, i don't know the, you just get the sense yeah he wasn't he was, having he, was he wasn't having to run it by anyone or sort of sure. sort of bend to the whims which which as we found out is like 100% true so it's not it's not it doesn't not make sense that you feel that way uh, yeah i just yeah. you know and it, to be fair i don't really love the frankenstein story to begin with oh yeah and I didn't, I didn't feel nostalgia hmm. for the Universal monster movies. Interesting. So, yeah, there's something about it. Maybe I'm just too far away from them, where I just wasn't enjoying and getting caught up in. Not, not like Ed Wood was different. Like that movie was funny, even if you don't know anything about what it's about. Yeah. It's just that humor is just solid all the way through, hmm. and and on its own, it just stands. In this, I think it relies a lot on how much you appreciate the old Frankenstein films. Huh. And I, I don't think they're that memorable. Like, I don't know. You're talking I, about I the never, older ones? Yeah, I, I never had an ex, like a real thrilling experience with any of those old films. Not like Dracula. Now, there is a movie. <laughs> You're Dracula. waiting for a young. You're waiting for a young Dracula or like a young yeah. creature from the Black Lagoon or something. Well, to be fair, we did already sort of get our version of young Dracula in what we do in the shadows from Taika Waititi. Hmm. Now that is that is a 
one of the perfect comedies, I think. Okay. And uh, one of the best films of the last 10 years. Sure. I haven't seen it, so I couldn't say. You haven't seen what we do in the show? I, okay. Oh my goodness. Okay, now audience, you don't know this, Homework. but we're, we have the cameras turned on, so John and I can see each other, and John's been like, <laughs> sort of in the same position, but the second yeah, I said I haven't, seen, I haven't ah. seen what we do in the shadows, John physically leapt up out of the chair now, and, like, hold on and one like second. stare daggers into the camera. <laughs> Samuel? <laughs> You best be honest with these with our listeners. Yeah. And you tell them why you haven't seen what we do in the shadows. Uh, cuz I was 15 when it came out. It was not in my perfect age to watch it. It was not maybe so, but it was not in my cinematic realm. I was not seeking out things like that. For whatever, I did not hear about it until years later. I don't know. It just never Don't don't mind me, Sam. I'm just calling the police. Sorry. <laughs> it just I Officer. listen. I've been threatened at gunpoint on this yep. episode. I can take he, it. He hasn't seen what we do in the shadows. Oh, uh, yes. Man. His address. Okay, I'll text it to you. <laughs> yeah. You're going to you know, text Don't the go officer. easy on him. All right, thanks, Here, officer, officer let me text it to you. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I, t- close. I totally believe that you have this officer's number on speed dial. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, Officer Bradley and I have been through a few things. Officer Bradley, yeah. If this episode ends with me screaming, you'll never take me alive, and dashing away from my mic, you'll know why. Uh, He's so in the closet, Officer I, Bradley. That's I not saw him through true. the camera. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in my living room, John. I have nothing. He lifted a candle, <laughs> and then it moved the wall. <laughs> Lift that candle. No, the other candle. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good scene it's a really good, scene. good scene now listen yeah. we we've got we're sort of losing our minds here so i think it's it, it's very interesting on a couple of levels a that we've had our first huge disagreement like there have been there have been other movies that one of us didn't care about as much as the other um but this is the first time where i think we we have like a significant divide uh, and even still you're not saying that it's bad right uh that it's right. that it's it's sort of it it like you can rec- I don't want to put words in your mouth but you can recognize that it's doing it does what it sets out to do more or less that just doesn't happen to be for you. Am I am I on the right track there? I I believe you are capturing the essence of what I just said. <laughs> We're getting I don't know what this eccentricity is about but I like it. So I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to merge into this lane with you, John. Yeah. Um, I think I think it all it comes down to is I said what I thought uh-huh. and then you sort of repeated what I said and I'm exactly. agreeing with you that yes I did say that. Exactly. I just I just want to put it in context. I just want to make oh, sure yeah. I want to make I sure we're on the it. same wavelength here, John. Um <laughs> I appreciate that you're not just taking it for granted and you're not cuz I do that. Like whenever Will Ashton for example is yes. like oh, you know, like yeah, the movie was okay. I always lie. Right. And I take his words out of context. And then I say things like, so you hate the movie. Yes. And you sent death threats to the director. That's correct. And anyone anyone who listens to any episode of Cinemaholics will get that right away. For right. instance, it's we, a thing. we both know that Jojo Rabbit was like Will's least favorite movie of, of 2019 course. this year. Uh, but if you listen to Cinemaholics, you'd think that Will Ashton, you know, like chose Jojo Rabbit as his child's godfather. Yes. Which is... I mean, it, I don't want to say it surprised me, 
but it caught my attention. I'll I'm say just that. happy that Will had a kid. <laughs> you know, he's been wanting to be a dad for some time. <laughs> and I think I think he and Officer Bradley are going to do really well. Oh, goodness. Will, if you're listening, uh, we're not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're we're going down a strange rabbit hole, but let's let's keep talking about young Frank. A strange Jojo rabbit hole. Oh, you're. I will be having none of this. Let's. I'm gonna. I'm gonna just sidle away from this very slowly. Um, yeah. So young Frankenstein, just not, just not. So just not your thing, huh? It's. No. Okay. <laughs> so I will say this. I think it's very interesting that you bring up that it was. That it's not connecting on the level of having had a prior appreciation for the Universal Frankenstein movies. The first three times I saw this movie, I had not seen a single Universal monster movie. Um, I had not... I, I had seen screenshots like i could sort of recognize them at a glance i knew the aesthetic vaguely but i'd never actually seen the movies and i loved it all three of these first times uh and i don't want to say i loved it even more but i love it in a different way now that i've become acquainted with them and i will i will come right out and say this i agree that the universal uh monster movies most of them uh are are just sort of okay like there are none of them that have really blown me away i think bride of frankenstein is quite good um I, and I think, I, weirdly enough, I prefer Son of Frankenstein over the original 1931 uh, adaptation. I think that one that one kind of gets overlooked. They, everyone says it's the original and it's Bride, and those are it sort of ends there. But no, Son of Frankenstein is like really good and insightful. And I've I've mentioned my disdain for Ghost of Frankenstein, but the ones after that uh are are not bad either the the... be careful sam you keep saying these things about ghost of frankenstein we all know what happens there's gonna be one really huge fan of ghost of frankenstein who owns like all the memorabilia (laughs) officer bradley officer bradley he's gonna discover a way to travel back in time and confront you if if that what were did you possible, say? if that were possible i'd already be dead we both know that it would have it would have happened no he's already. waiting he's waiting for you to get to a later part of the show when you really lay it out oh goodness i think so i you better not disappoint i've laid out just about everything that i plan to lay out so so but maybe you know something that i don't um uh young frankenstein i've always really connected to it is totally my sense of humor um, and I think I, I, I kind of, I feel like I kind of got to the bottom of it this time. I realized that there is this common, um, there's this common attitude in most, if not all of the, uh, the interactions in young Frankenstein specifically. Uh, and it turns out that this was mostly Mel Brooks doing in doing the research. I found out that, um, his father, uh, died when Mel Brooks was two years old of uh, some, uh, some natural cause, but it, it really, it really affected Mel Brooks naturally as, as he went on, as he went to grow up. Um, and he has stated that this experience of not having a father for his entire life, for all intents and purposes, led to sort of a, um, sort of a sense of anger in a lot of his movies. And if you watch Young Frankenstein, if you'll pay attention, you'll notice a lot of the interactions are sort of based in callousness. You watch the opening scene um, just after the just after the credits end where Gene Wilder is giving a lecture to this uh, this room full of students about 
you know, the brain and how, and how pain works and everything. And is, and is, and there's this one student who like keeps interjecting to sort of, to sort of like disprove uh, Gene Wilder and like drop the mic. And you can see that Gene Wilder is just having none of it to the point of like sort of verbally berating this poor student. Um, To be fair, that student is being a total pill. Yeah, is being a total pill, but still. He keeps making this face. He's like, but but Dr. Frankenstein. When you really you know, like think that nerd about it. In class. Yeah, that that actor is very well cast, by the way. They found the perfect oh, yeah. smarmy, just 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 does not want to have anyone's Gets nonsense. under your skin. Yeah, so, sort of reminds me of myself, to be perfectly honest. Ah, uh, uh, Sam. I mostly kid, of course, but regardless, even even after that, when it's not the kid, they have they wheel in this old man who the who 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 Frederick Frankenstein does these like experiments on, where puts a they clamp a around dollar. his brain. Yeah, and. And, uh, and give him another dollar. Give him another dollar. And the the old man is just wailing in pain and being wheeled out of this room. And Frankenstein clearly has no remorse whatsoever. Like he he clearly has just not just doesn't really care for 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 others in a very broad sense. Um, and uh, I, and I think that that sort of comes back around in a later scene when he's getting he's boarding the train to Transylvania and he's talking to his wife Elizabeth, played by Madeline Kahn, who who plays a fantastic his fiance. As they're not married yet, that's the whole point. Ah, uh, I for half a second I thought you said Beyonce, and I'm like I don't know what this is. <laughs> well, in some ways, don't try she, to make sense. She was of the it. queen. Okay. She was the queen of his world. Yep. That, well, it's funny you say that. She's the queen of his world. He is so not the king of her world. Like, he keeps yeah. trying to hug her and kiss her and stuff, and she's like, oh, the hair, the hair. And my, it's, it's because she knows he doesn't have a very big schlock in Fluto. Uh, maybe so, maybe so. Uh, and the, yet. The funniest part, yet, I like the way. By the way, we should specify, I'm totally, I'm totally wailing about. Uh, we are going to be getting into, like, the plot details. So, this is the, it. It's not like a spoiler-heavy movie. Like it's it like a lot of comedies. It's really just sort of quoting the jokes more than anything. But if you haven't mm-hmm. seen Young Frankenstein and you're interested, by all means, now is the time because we're sort of we're going to get into a little bit of detail. Um, the funniest, yeah, we're going to describe the schlock and her in pretty in specific great, detail. In great detail. The funniest part in that train scene is he gets on the train and like blows a kiss at her and she dashes away to get out of the way of the kiss that is so funny to me how ridiculous she is she is essentially and this might not even have been intentional but she is essentially treating him with the same callousness that he treated pretty much everyone in that classroom and i think that really it just circles and circles this entire movie uh there's a part where the inspector with the fake arm who he has to articulate every possible movement and it's it's this really funny visual gag that never gets old um he's sort of being like inspected by this uh by this inspector go figure and is is just just they're just being total dicks to each other and not giving each other anything trying to mess each other up while they're playing darts it's all based in uh in wrath if we're going to use the applicable deadly sin and i think that's so funny especially when you consider that None of these, like, like if we're going to compare it to Life of Brian, for instance, a lot of the set pieces in that movie, a lot of the jokes in that movie, 
they sort of conclude with the characters coming to some sort of agreement. Like I think when I think of when um, the Roman centurion guard is going to like is going to like inspect the headquarters of the uh, of the People's Front of Judea and like. 20 guards walk in and inspect the place and at first they're very suspicious but that but at the end they're like the guards come back out and john cleese is like okay you you've passed our inspection you're fine like they come to an agreement there's never an agreement in young frankenstein like they're always mad at each other no matter what and they're sort of having to just accept that we hate each other and move on i think one of the funniest scenes in this movie is when the frankenstein monster first comes alive and starts to starts to strangle gene wilder and so for whatever reason he has to play charades to get inga and igor to to guess the word sedative and it's so funny he says sounds like points at his head head uh and then uh, igor says uh there's like that's it so said uh and then makes it gestures like he's giving something. They said, Seda, give! That's it! And they finally give the sedative to the monster, and Gene Wilder's just like, Seda, give! <laughs> like, it's so... I'm I'm cracking up just thinking about it. There's something so funny about the anger with which these characters interact. Um, and of course, uh, combined with just the cleverness of it all, that I think... Uh, really really gets to me just it it pokes me right in my funny bone wherever it is this movie is poking it and i like it for that and it's it's so interesting because most everyone i've ever talked to uh is on my side so and i don't mean to like punch down at you or anything john but it's i i find it interesting wow. that that it's just not no don't don't don't, don't retreat punch down at you while you're at your lowest moment okay but... okay listen i'm i'm a good like nine ten inches taller than you in the first place so mm. i will not be, i will not be taking any guilt tripping here but little do you know i have a step stool <laughs> in the closet oh where you're hiding i knew it <laughs> you've been waiting to tie, i know that's why you went in there you've been waiting to tie these these weird jokes you've constructed together for hours and i, I can see the wheels turning in your head you're still doing it uh, I'm still making plans. You're still making plans. How to defeat you in this argument? Still, still laying, still, still uh, sowing the seeds of of my demise. So, I suppose maybe I've earned it. But I find it interesting that that's just not uh, that's just not your sense of humor. Is it the is it the uh, is it the dryness? Do you think that's what it is? Like I just I I want to get to the bottom of this. What could it be? Well, that's the thing. Is I think. If you take away the jokes, think of it this way. Uh-huh. Without the jokes, it's it's kind of a straightforward movie. There's not a lot going on. Yes. Right? There's Absolutely. not really a character journey. It's just sort of There's it's it's a character journey as much as like the original Universal movies are, fittingly enough, where it's they're not really going into the depths of the character. It's this very it's it's these it's this bullet point, um, I have I have created life and now i must accept that uh and you know the 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 world will come after me for it and maybe i've earned it it's rather simplistic in the grand scheme of things but you can argue that there's a journey there but it uh, but again it is very it is very surface level it's not a very interesting i think the character journey of frederick is very strange because you start in a place where he hates the family name Uh but then he immediately is like oh this could work and then yes. that's completely dropped and like on a dime yeah and it's just sort of 
I never got a real grasp for this guy. I, you know, I didn't really care that his fiance mm. was an ice queen. Mm. And, you know, there was just things I felt like that just happened okay. in this. And I, like I said before, I just never was able to cling to what any of these characters are thinking or feeling. And I think what people like is that they think it's so funny that it's fine. It doesn't yeah. need to. The the jokes are a, a worthy gift uh, in sacrifice of this film being all that cohesive. Okay. It, it's just if you are like me and you find the humor a little bit too hit or miss, yeah. then it can be a bit of a slog to get through. I'm just saying. Okay. And you know who sort of agreed with me? Who's that? Well, the film critic goes by the name gene siskel mm, yes you're not wrong gene siskel is not a biggest a, big, a biggest fan of this as uh, roger ebert and many other right. critics of the time yeah yeah Raj gave it he gave it four stars out of four yeah and that's that's nothing to to shake a hand out but uh those of us who were correct about Ian frankenstein <laughs> i'm just kidding yeah, yeah i think it really is that simple i, I think like there there are certainly things i found funny I think some of the wordplay gags are funny. Yeah. I like Inga. I like yeah. anything with Inga to... and Igor. Yes. I like to call anyone him. anyone whose name begins with a vowel is good in this movie is what you're saying. <laughs> eh, I suppose so. I suppose that is the rubric. Uh, I, I didn't think I didn't find the inspector with a Winarum all that funny. Okay. And I thought that the the uh, the sexual tension yeah. between Frederick and Inga is effective okay. and is comedic. But I don't know. There's something about when this film does the dance number where I'm like, what are we doing here? What's <laughs> it's, what's the end game? It's getting it's it's sort of flying off the handle at that point, And that's when it comes yeah. alive because you're right. It, it's I, I guess I hadn't considered it in this context before. But yeah, it, uh, Frederick is is rather quick to sort of just say, oh, wait, never mind all that resentment I have towards the family name. It is rather like like it happens on a dime. And that's kind of. That's like not even really called attention to. Like they do a they do a dissolve to imply that the the transition has taken place. The key turn of the movie has passed, and now and now we're free to move on with the rest of it. So, uh, I think you might have a point there about how if you can't latch onto the comedy, which if you hadn't guessed, I can. It can seem rather lazy, and like it's just sort of it's just sort of spinning its wheels, um, and not even in a way that it's own that it's its own thing. Like like as we've mentioned many times, it's following the plot of those Universal movies very closely, right down to similar characters. Um, uh, Gene Hackman plays the blind man, which is the homage yeah. to Bride of Frankenstein, which is also a very funny scene. But they're just they're just sort of doing the same thing again and ladling jokes onto it in a way that in in like in a way that Mel Brooks and Gene Wilder are very very crafted at and i think they're they they have a good skill of playing the situations more or less the same but just making it funny and i think that is that's impressive in itself um i i i have to point this out too what's that that this film surprised me a little bit with uh there is a certain scene i was not expecting Mm. where the frankenstein monster uh essentially rapes yeah. A uh one of our characters. Yeah. And it's kind of just treated as uh, a joke. Yeah. And I think it's it's treated as like, well, it's okay. It's not really rape because she liked it. Yeah. And that that was certainly a bit of a an old-fashioned 
throwback. Not not exactly in the the most uh, flattering light. Yeah, so I was curious what you thought about that. No, you're absolutely right. That is hands down the worst joke of the movie. It's it's it, it's. I would not. I would understand if you could watch that joke and sort of brush it off as being not particularly harmful. But I still, it's it's. I I can't even imagine this being that scene being easy to watch at the time. Uh, let, let alone here we are 45 years later, um, 46 possibly. But yeah, no, that joke that joke really doesn't work. So that is that certainly holds it back a little bit. Um, it's, by, by no means is it a judgment call on the entire sure. movie. It's one scene. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it was something that was a little bit like, ooh, yeah, <laughs> that's there's, there's that's an really argument bad. that could potentially be made that it sets off for a payoff at the very end of the movie, like last thing that happens. Um, that I I I can see that argument, but it's also it just it just, it's just I can't gross. help but feel I can't help but feel like yeah you didn't have to go there. Um, there there could have been like they could have gone about it a different way even and ended up at the same at the same result. Um, it would have been it would have been tricky regardless of how they did it, but yeah it doesn't it doesn't work. That joke uh, really falls flat. Um, I I have one last lightning hot take. Sure. Okay. Cloris Leachman, I yeah. think she's wasted here. Really? I I just didn't find the payoff for that character very satisfying. I was like, really, is that all she is in this movie? See, yeah. I didn't I didn't think it was like a setup payoff kind of thing. I thought she was just sort of like featured in the movie. I think um, maybe it's it's. I just I was wondering a lot, like, where is she? Why isn't she showing up? She's just sort of sort of a supporting character. Um, there's no analog that I can remember specifically to the Universal movies, but uh, they they show up to the castle and the door like creaks open and Cloris Leachman walks out and says, "I am Frau Blucher," and the horses like neigh really ominously. Uh, and then every time they say her name, they do it again, and they keep looking like, "What are they so mad about?" That is a good. That is a good gag. It's it's a funny gag, and I think there's this there's another funny gag later on where it's revealed that she was playing a violin earlier in the movie, and they're sort of figuring it out. And with every revelation, the violin screeches as she plays it again. And I think uh, she's really hamming it up in the in in a in a funny way. And I think the fact that the the movie doesn't really conclude her arc, if there even was one. Uh, I don't find that particularly worth worth griping about. So I guess what, we differ. So, yeah, clearly I have all the gripes. Yes. But uh, Sam, what do, what to you makes this a milestone upon milestones? What is it about the humor that you think is particularly effective? And please use examples because <laughs> there will be a test. That's true. Okay. Well, I was uh, I, I was actually going to go even beyond the humor, which I think like besides that one joke, pretty much every uh, every bit of every, every bit of humor works in this movie. I found out that um, <laughs> there's this gag where Doctor Frankenstein looks at Igor and notices that the hunchback is on the other side. Turns out that was improvised. Marty Feldman had yeah. like this prosthetic hump. And just put it on the opposite side just to see if Gene Wilder would notice. And they caught that on camera and they played off. They're like, just put it in. That's yeah. a funny show. Keep it in. And 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 Marty Feldman plays it uh fantastically, has these huge bug eyes and is always always ready to come right back at, at Gene Wilder with an with an equally, if not more scathing 
uh, and possibly even unnoticed jab. So I think that's really funny how Igor always has the upper hand comedically, uh, no matter yeah. what. I think I think Igor is certainly, um, if there is an MVP to this movie, I think it's probably Marty Feldman. Just the way that every like like literally every line is funny from Marty Feldman. I cannot I can't think of one that's not meant to be humorous. Uh, even even when he's not speaking, when when Madeline Kahn shows up and he starts like gnawing at the stuffed fox on her shoulder, that that still makes me laugh to this day. It was it's that was always my favorite joke from the movie, uh, and it probably still is. Um, it really is tragic, though. He died pretty young. He died very, way too young. Everyone dies yeah. too young, but Mar- Marty Feldman especially. Um, and Gene Wilder, come to think of it. I think I last time I watched this H- movie... Hitler was, didn't die too it's, young. I, so. You're absolutely right. I should right. not have... I should Joseph have qualified. Stalin. There are some people who died right when they were supposed to, if not too late... But yeah. we're we're good, getting that's a good 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 recovery. We're getting we're getting we're getting into more existential things um, that I was not prepared for. Yeah. My, now, you're like I didn't come here for a history lesson. I came to talk about a 1974 film. That's correct. Yes, my my blood is boiling as we speak. So let's let that simmer down a little bit. Um, I think even getting beyond the humor, which as I've as I've as I've stated, I I find particularly effective. I think there's an interesting, if not that explored uh, subtext to this movie, which is sort of the very nature of its own unoriginality. I think there's something to the fact that in, in spite of all of his, uh, you know, heaving of the, of the Frankenstein name or the Frankenstein name, perhaps uh, to the point of even not pronouncing it, there's something to the fact that when, when it's revealed that, maybe this is actually valid like these experiments um and this legacy that victor frankenstein left maybe there's something to it maybe maybe it can be it can be uh it can be exploited it can be done right that he so immediately is willing to chuck all of his preconceived prejudices is very fascinating and the fact that uh the the angry mob that forms eventually in the movie uh is just sort of like this is just sort of par for the course i think there's a line of dialogue to the effect of like we know they're making a monster they've done it five times before and that and like i mentioned earlier that was kind of a meta joke that's kind of one of the funny things about the earlier universal movies is that they just don't even care about they don't even bother justifying it they're like yep it's it's happening again what are you gonna do it's it almost seems rehearsed at this point the angry mob um so I think just the the inevitable repetition of our mistakes, I think there's something to that. It's not particularly insightful. It's not even explored that much, like I said. Uh, but I think it's there. And I think it's just... Um, it's self-aware enough that I can easily forgive those sort of story pitfalls that you were mentioning earlier, like the... Like the not especially gripping character arcs in this movie. Uh, they're just they're just sort of uh, they're just sort of doing it again, and I think they acknowledge that just enough that I don't really find myself getting hung up on them if I'm even acknowledging them in the first place. Like this is sort of the first time I'm really coming to grips with what does what are the character arcs of this movie? What do they mean? Uh, and frankly, it's not really that much. So I think this. Um, 
it's able to function mostly as a comedy in my eyes, I think is what it really boils down to. So I'm able to forgive those things that are just, that are just not passing by the, the Negroni brain train or whatever you call it. Uh, hmm. uh, if that, if that makes any sense whatsoever. I suppose so. Well, Sam, yeah, I think, I think you should have the last word then since you are more positive on it. Sure. Uh, well, I think we we would be remiss if I or I would be remiss if I did not ask John. Is there anything else that you thought was worth noting about this movie, positive or negative? We mentioned a couple mm-hmm. scenes. Are there any we didn't get to yet? Like we didn't we didn't even mention the whole process of the monster, the ab, the the obtaining of the abnormal brain, which is very funny. Funny um, stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, I thought Peter Boyle did a good job. Yeah, uh, we haven't I, even I think... mentioned Peter Boyle yet. I think uh, he, yeah, he captures the monster pretty well. Yeah. I like the the various scenes that call back to Bride of Frankenstein. Yep. And I I like there's like a little joke where In- Inga can't really explain why she's here uh, <laughs> or what her job is. <laughs> yeah. Like and like yeah, like Frederick Frankenstein literally just sort of tumbles into this bed of hay, and she's just there. She's like, yeah, yeah. this is welcome to the movie, Gene. Yeah, yeah, that's her. And uh, yeah, you mentioned Terry Gar. Uh-huh. Always great to see her. And we mentioned the conversation earlier when she, of course, was in. So yeah, that's true. And, and Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I think Close her Encounters, best work. Yeah, which uh, but she she was like even nominated for an Academy Award at one point. Oh yeah, and well deserved. Uh, to- Tootsie. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, it, it's a good cast. And I'm being a little bit grumpy, I suppose. No, I don't think so at all. I think you're being just, very reasonable with your critiques. Yeah, it's just not having a great time at the movie can go a long way. And it, there was just something about the story here, right? I guess I wasn't really clicking. Some of the jokes were so obvious, and mm-hmm. they felt like they've been ripped off so many times since that in retrospect, they're not as effective. Like, okay, well, of course, because frederick is saying like no matter what i say or what i do don't <laughs> let me out. like oh geez how many times have we seen this before and you can't you can't blame the movie that much you know because it was uh supposedly more novel back in 1974 maybe so but uh, yeah there, there was something uh i didn't both too broad and too niche about this movie which is it only adds to my ongoing fascination <laughs> and yet uh, consternation with this uh, entire feature film. Hmm. So, so 2019, the extra milestone year goes out with a whimper in John Negroni's eyes. <laughs> ah, but not for John Claude Van Sam. You're bringing that one back. I was wondering if yeah. that was ever going to make its triumphant return. You're going to have to start recycling puns at some point. Like, I there's it's, it's only, good for the planet. It's only a matter of time. You're you're not wrong about that. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, everything I've said, I, I stand by. And I think uh, the one thing that sort of uh, that sort of proves to me that there is some thought being put into this, it's I, I love at the very end, it's this really anticlimactic ending where they sort of, they arrange this machine to like swap brains temporarily so the monster gets just a little bit of Gene Wilder's intelligence. And the fact that the mob is so quick to be like, oh, never mind, we're not completely prejudiced against something that we don't recognize like it just it happens so quick it's almost humorous and i think that's the way it's meant to be i think it ends the movie on a good note a few jokes that i didn't mention that i just want to quickly bring up just because i think they're funny i love how how frau blucher like 
when we first meet her, grabs an unlit candelabra and <laughs> leads it up the stairs. There's something so funny about that that I never noticed until this point. It's just like a prop. There's, it's not even providing any light. It's just we'll for... We'll fix that in post. It's just yeah, for ambience. Did. Yeah, maybe so. I don't know if that was a thing back in 1974. They could digitally add flame. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then, and then the other one, which I just always gives me a chuckle, is when Igor goes to the Brain Depository, which I guess is a building that exists in Transylvania, and it says, after 5 p.m., slip brains through the slot in the door. Uh, and I, yeah. like, I like to envision just a pile of brains waiting at the bottom of this thing, See, <laughs> waiting to be picked jokes. up the next morning. Like, I hear you explain it, and it sounds funny. And I'm like, because it is. But it, when I was watching it, I was just kind of like, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. Through the door. That's crazy. We would do that. The extra milestone, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing impresses John. Nothing impresses John. Well, John, you know what? I'm going to tell you something. Uh, here's something that might impress you. The nominees for January. The time has come. We're moving oh, on to an man. entirely different year. We're getting we're getting a whole different slew of of uh contenders. Um and we start as every year does with January. Now this is interesting because last year the first extra milestone we ever did was was a celebrating the month of February. So this will be our first January milestone. Yeah, because we we came up with the idea for extra milestone I, I remember where I was when I was yeah. talking to you about it. I was in an IHOP. Oh yeah. In Salt Lake City, Utah. For for the Sundance Film Festival. For the Sundance Film Festival, and I made God a little spreadsheet. Damn. I labeled it Dreams. <laughs> and I, I told you, Sam, this is my dream. Yes. To I rem- <laughs> discuss a film that I don't think is as funny as you think it is. That's right. And for you to be very disappointed in me. I'm not disappointed. for some reason, (laughs) cops are showing up at your door. And it's a little... Mm, what's gonna happen that means that we gotta we gotta we gotta announce these quick before they find me. Um, I'll text Brad. I remember... Give us a minute. I remember exactly where I was when I got that text. I was in a Wendy's on my break from work. So it's a it's a small world after all. Um... But, John, this is interesting because January is, nowadays, is sort of the, uh, like, the, like the landfill of cinema, at least compared to the rest of the year. Uh, that's how we like to think of it, how it's after all the award season stuff comes out. It's when, it's when more prestigious pictures are getting uh, bigger releases yeah. in, in the smaller cities and stuff. Um, but it's when a lot of really forgettable pablum comes out and that is certainly not it's certainly not untrue and i figured out in doing research for this for this upcoming month that the uh the notion of january as we as we perceive it now started sometime in the early 70s before that there would be all sorts of movies to come out in january so i think i i discovered something very interesting and i think you'll notice that once i begin to announce these nominees john would you like to hear what's on the docket for January 2020? 
I just hope they all start with the same letter. Uh, let me see. None of them start with the same letter. So you're uh, out of I'll luck. I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> it's, literally, it's literally the alphabet. You underestimate there's, my power. There's only so much. It's literally the alphabet. There's only so much you can do. Oh, I look gosh. forward to seeing you try. Your right. first nominees. I've narrowed it down to seven out of 15 or so that, that were in potential consideration. Two of them are from the year 1940, celebrating their 80th anniversary. Would you like to hear them, John? The eight, their 80th anniversary? What are they? That's correct. Uh, and I want to mention real quick, just to ratchet up the suspense a little bit more, I want to acknowledge uh, we're going to be doing something a little bit differently with the voting process this month. Uh, John and I talked about it beforehand. What It's we're called... Gonna- your votes don't matter because we're just going to pick it ourselves. That's, no, I'm joking. That's not true. Matter of fact, we're trying to we're trying to make your votes matter more because the past couple what? of months, uh, we, we, we haven't been getting as many votes as we had in previous months. So um, this idea, we're going to see if it works, is in a separate article on Cinemaholics.com, the official Cinemaholics webpage. Um, I will Wait, be publishing. What's that URL again? cinemaholics.com john holy boy i'm gonna go watch it right now you're gonna go watch the cinemaholics dot what <laughs> cinemaholics.com ah gee willikers i'm in be sure to get your Wait, parents is that permission. a www website i don't think that's a thing anymore i think you could just oh. type in cinemaholics.com and you'll be just fine i don't think the i don't think the internet's gonna be like hey don't forget Wait a minute. the three W's at the beginning. <laughs> Which web is it? It's not the worldwide one, is it? It's it's not the nationwide web. It's not mm. the continent-wide web even. It's the worldwide web. I cannot it's not remember. even Charlotte's web. I, can, I, can, <laughs> I don't know. What, what does this become? I can't remember the last time I literally typed in www before a URL. So I don't think that's relevant. Um, in a separate article, I'm going to be... Uh, I, that's going to be the poll article. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be listing all the nominees and giving like just a short paragraph, sort of briefly explaining what each movie is and maybe a little bit about its legacy. Um, yeah. So your nominees are His Girl Friday. John, have mm. you seen His Girl Friday? I have not seen His Girl Ooh, Friday. It's, it's quite good from what I remember. It, it stars uh, Cary Grant and Rosalind Russell in this real uh, fast-paced, like, just really super written screwball comedy. Uh, and it's really funny. So I, so regardless of whether or not it wins, I recommend checking yeah. it out. Here's my, some... my, my Howard Hawks gaps are pretty real. So <laughs> we will, uh, we'll, we'll have to change that, supposedly. Maybe this will be a good place to start. There's only one way to find out. But mm-hmm. your other nominee from the year 1940, a movie I haven't seen. I'm very curious if you have to. It's the original You've Got Mail, The Shop Around Ooh. the Corner. Yeah. Well, isn't the original one, uh, She Loves Me? Uh, I, 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 I apparently have not done the necessary research. All I know is that in cinema. It's a, it's a Broadway play. I think, I think you might be right about that. That's what it's based on. Yes. Um, that is a, that, that's a, uh, Ernst Lubitsch movie, who is a very prominent director in the thirties and forties and beyond. Uh, I've been wanting to check this one out for a while. I, mm-hmm. I imagine we might have some fans out there. If you're listening to the extra milestone, uh, by all means, cast your vote, get us, force us to see it because 
I need a, what better excuse than now? I say you should. It it really it's a great movie, and I love the entire concept. You've got meal, so I'll okay. Time to get serious. <laughs> time time for John to uh, to be real. Um, yeah. Shop around the corner. Mm. Lovely, beautiful movie. You've got mail. Even better, Meg Ryan, Tom Hanks. Hmm. The play, it really is. It's something else. It's a great hmm. play. It's called She Loves Me, and that's the song. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can go on your, your music app of choice and stream <laughs> it immediately because yes. it's, it's very nice. I corroborate everything that John said, having not listened to the song myself. Yeah. Um, what an authority. What an authority! Yes, it's you know I have I have my cinematic gaps as well. Uh, although I may yeah, sometimes one or two, I may sometimes purposely stray away from them. So I will not. I won't deny that. Uh, here's one. I th- that this might be my selection. It's between this and another one. Um, John, have you ever heard of the 1960 French horror movie Eyes Without a Face? It's funny you mention this. <laughs> <laughs> um, Why is it funny that I mentioned it? So, no, I haven't seen this movie. Um, but I know this movie. The only reason I know what this movie is, is because. <laughs> so oh, gosh. So there's this Canadian TV show called Degrassi. <laughs> okay. And I've heard in of it. season six, there are two episodes called Eyes Without a Face. <laughs> two episodes? It's a part one, part two. Oh, okay. I was like, how they manage them? I watched, I remember watching this in 2006 when the show was in its heyday uh-huh. and being like, eyes without a face. <laughs> I could see where this is going. Fascinating. <laughs> yeah. And I look it up and I looked up the director who's uh, George Franju or whatever his name is. Yes. And uh, I started to watch it and I stopped. <laughs> really? Now, yeah. was it too much to handle? No. Or was okay, it we're talking just, about this was sixteen year old John. Was it too French to handle for a little bit? Two thousand and six era John Negroni. Fifteen, sixteen year old John was not as sophisticated as fifteen or sixteen year old Sam, who, you know, clearly was uh, all the rage of cinema. Yeah. I was I was seventeen years old when I saw Eyes Without a Face, so you're actually not that far off. Yeah, yeah, I knew it. I, you know, you you were watching foreign films long, 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 long before I was into them. Sure. Uh, although there were a bunch that I liked, but definitely not like French horror. Films. Like that, that was a a bridge on the river quite too far for John. <laughs> that doesn't even make sense. But it's sure it's... it doesn't. <laughs> so it's it sounds like it might be an interesting uh, uh, revisiting yeah, of your past a retcon that never was a ret yeah. John. How about that? Yeah, I love it. Because it has my name in it. I got one. I'm so excited. Uh, Yeah, Eyes Without a Face is really fantastic. It's striking. It is creepy and scary in a way that uh, not a lot of horror movies are. I'd be be stoked to revisit it, and I hope that that some of the listeners share in that potential enthusiasm. Only time will tell. Our next Mm -hmm. nominee, celebrating 50 years. This is from the year 1970s. Uh, or the year 1970, I should say. It's so weird. Even though I wasn't alive during the decade, it's so weird to think that the 70s are half a century old by now. Like, is that is it is it possible for me to hear for me to feel old because of that? <laughs> I think very... you should feel old no matter what. 
I feel old no matter what. Yes, because that way your your mortality is always at the forefront of your cerebral cortex, yeah. and you can live life to the fullest. Twenty four hours than, a day. It's better than feeling young, you know. Yeah, when you feel, feel young. It's like feeling young ah, is overrated. I'm going to say that right now. Young, like youth, is overrated. It does not. It gets way too mm. much. Way too much recognition. Time to celebrate the old, the seasoned, the experienced. Well, Sam, Sam, I have a confession to make. What's up? You make me feel so young. You make me feel like spring is sprung. <laughs> I That's was all. like, I was like, where's this going? There are a couple of places, and you chose <laughs> that one, and I'm glad you well, did. I'm just trying to remind you. Yes. Of what it's like to feel forever young. Yes, forever young. John. You want to be forever young. Celebrating 50 years is Robert Altman's MASH. Have you seen this one? <sighs> um, no. <laughs> but that's only because I didn't, I didn't like the show. It's, it's <sighs> not the same thing. I will say that right now. It is, it is very different. Uh, besides just being a different See, medium well th that's it's funny because i've heard bad things about this movie oh yeah and some mixed things yeah yeah i'm a little bit more mixed on it but i know it's a very important movie so so maybe maybe there are some who would like to hear us dive into it and who knows we might find yeah. that we're that we're fans of it uh once again that that will that is to be decided um jumping ahead to the 1990s we're, we're down to our last two nominees celebrating 30 years of glorious existence is the schlocky uh cult horror classic tremors have you seen tremors mm. john tremors what year yeah. was this you said 1990 it's been that long it's been that long uh yeah i don't like that movie <laughs> oh yeah i don't this, like tremors this would be another one I guess it has been a, it has been a long time yeah, since I saw it. Yeah, I do not love it by any means, but it's it's. I, I'd be curious. This would be. I like that you're tipping your hand right off the bat well, to save us the trouble. I'm sorry. Well, you know it's okay. <laughs> I'm just trying to remember my headspace when I see it. I, it's the it's the type of movie though that like it inspired a lot of stuff. Uh huh. Right. Yeah. You know, like I'm trying to think. Like, what's a movie that really like follows the Tremors formula? Oh goodness. Well, it depends what you mean when you say the Tremors formula. Mm. Like literally the monster itself, because that itself was kind of a I was kind of an offshoot. Discover it. Yeah, it was. Well, Tremors itself was kind of a was kind of an offshoot off of the the Sandworms from Dune, which is getting a which is getting an adaptation later ah. this year. So uh, no wonder it's on your mind. It's it's on my mind because oh, let me tell you, this the pickings were slim for January, so. Uh, yeah. it, it was there. There are a whole lot of a whole lot of other ones that we'll be mentioning as almost making the list next month <laughs> that didn't quite get there. But John, I we bet have... you, I bet you that there we, we have some Tremors fans in the house because people oh, like yeah. Kevin Bacon. There are there are way more Tremors fans than you might think. I, I remember yeah. uh, when I when I first started college. Within like a couple of weeks, I got a like at least a half dozen people. Um, bring up tremors organically and how much they liked it weirdly enough the exact same thing happened for the movie rubber when i yeah. started college <laughs> like seven people within a week independently brought up rubber and i had never That's heard of weird. it before 
that is celebrating 10 years so That's maybe so maybe it's so random i can't i still can't believe it to this day i still think they were all in on it somehow but See, maybe... when that movie came out, I was like 20, and that's when I was like ready for <laughs> the weird horror. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, it's funny because 1990 would be cool because that's my birth year, Sam. We'd be yeah, starting true. 2020 with a, my birth year of 1990, so nice. gets my vote. That would, that would be very interesting. So it's it's weird. You're not at all enthusiastic about the movie, but for the simple no. fact that it's as, as old as you are, you're willing <laughs> to give it that. I like the way you think. John, we have one more nominee. And I, I didn't save the best for last because it's, it's chronologically last, but it kind of is the, like, it, th- this one is kind of dropping the mic compared to the rest of them. It's Goodfellas. It's not Goodfellas. Goodfellas will be later in the year. Yeah, I know. I was just hoping. <laughs> we'll we'll get to Goodfellas eventually, and I would yeah. I can't wait for that to inevitably sweep the votes. Oh yeah, I, I, I would, mean, <laughs> Goodfellas. Goodfellas is one of the greatest movies of all time. I can't wait to and Will hasn't seen talk it. about it. Will hasn't seen it, and I bring this up He's all been the time. Waiting, yes. Yeah. Will has seen every single movie directed by Tyler Perry and has never seen Goodfellas. <laughs> He's seen most films directed by Martin Scorsese. It's so weird. That it's strange. He's, even, he's seen some of the weird ones, too. And yeah. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he'd seen, like, Kundun or something, but not... I think so. I think he's seen that in Color of Money. Yeah, well, I've seen The Color of Money. That one. That one's a little bit more traditional Scorsese, but regardless, but before Goodfellas, it's very strange. Um, regardless, there's one more, and this one is a... Uh, one of my favorite movies of all time. I was um, I was shocked to find out it came out in January because it is so not January quality. Um, but it was released in the U.S. January of 1995. It is Richard Wait, Linklater's 90, 1995. Oh, I thought you said it was 1990. Okay, Tremors was 1990. That's why I said Goodfellas. No, no, no. Tremors was 1990. That's our only 1990 uh, candidate. You said from the 1990s. Yes. Oh, I know what 95 is. 95 okay. is Richard yeah. Linklater's Before, Before Sunrise. Sunrise. Oh, one of my all-time favorite hell. movies. Yes. All right, this is my plea to the listeners. Yes. Listeners, I just rewatched Before Sunrise uh, a few months ago. Uh-huh. I want to watch it again. Yes. Please. Please. Let me watch it again. <laughs> listeners, vote for it. I think vote for Before Sunrise if yeah. you must if you must vote for eyes without a face but by all means vote for <laughs> vote for before sunrise it's one of the greatest movies of all time Although, i am but the fact that i have already seen it makes me kind of be like well his girl friday is right there that's true but still that would be good and we haven't done anything from the 1940s we'd be we'd be passing up the opportunity to dive into before sunrise uh any of these i would perfectly happy if they won to be perfectly honest but uh yeah. Before Sunrise and Eyes Without a Face are my pick for whatever it's worth, but of course it's not up to us. No, uh, it's your Sam. You're right. Yes, I forgot. <laughs> this is a democracy, and this That's is how democracy in. ends with thunderous applause. We were supposed to destroy the polls, not join them. <laughs> I've. I will be. I will be. I will be honest with you right now, John. I've thought about coming up with a fake commenter name and like skewing the votes one direction, but that would be so Sam. unbelievably unethical. I'm I'm just admitting that I've thought about it. I would never do it. It would be incredibly. I'm just glad obvious. you're being honest. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think I did have that temptation one time, and that was when something was winning, and I didn't want it to win. <laughs> but then at that point, it's like, all right, you got to let the people just have what they want. I I I don't think you'd be able to live with yourself, and I wouldn't expect nah, you to. Either. Yeah, I feel too guilty. Yes. So those are your options. If, if I may run them down one once more, his girl Friday, the shop around the corner, eyes without a face, mash, tremors. And before sunrise, keep an eye out for that uh, for that poll article in which you may cast your vote, uh, and that that comment section will determine the winner. So, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 keep in mind your vote counts. These are not getting like hundreds and hundreds of votes. They're, these are like single digits each. So one vote literally can make the difference because it has in the past on numerous yeah. occasions. So A lot don't, of times, don't take this responsibility lightly. So keep an eye on that cinemaholics.com right john cinemaholics.what cinemaholics.com wow c-o-m <laughs> don't forget to ask your parents before logging on yes please get your parents permission and even <laughs> if they say no just do it anyway it literally doesn't matter sam <laughs> what this is a i'm saying it right now hold on yeah. texting officer bradley do it. I, the, this You're the, these You're going to these law enforcement officers are remarkably slow at their job. So I, I think well, they, you know he's been on hold, and you know he and Will are still trying to figure out a new groove what, with the baby. What police officer has this much spare time on their hands to just be on hold to arrest me of all people? Uh, I think that's where the time traveling comes in. You can just I sort think, of like dart in and out of these situations, and yes. You don't think, know this, but he already took care of you. Oh, yeah. You just don't remember because time stopped. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, that I, makes a lot of sense. I it? think it makes a lot of sense. And speaking of time, John, I think we're out of time. I think uh, we've said what we needed to say, wouldn't you say? Yeah. I, I feel like we need to get this done before sunrise ourselves. Yes. Before sunrise. <laughs> well, if we're going by that parameter, we have quite some time. But still, I think now is as good a time as any. Uh, I had fun talking about Young Frankenstein going back to the year 1974. I had fun too, yeah. Yes. I look forward to whatever the extra milestone year of 2020 holds, setting aside all facetious uh, uh, claims that were, not, that were not incredibly incompetent. We do plan mm. to catch up. Facetious facades. Yes. We, we do plan to get caught up. Uh, we're, so... So with that in mind, we're actually planning on doing the January uh, and potentially February milestone relatively quickly. So get your vote in now, because uh, we're gonna be we're not we're gonna be looking uh, we're not gonna be looking far off to the horizon for this one. We're gonna be getting these out of the way in the most dignified way possible. So with that in mind, I believe that it's time that we sign off. Wouldn't you say, John? Yes. How are you gonna do it, Sam? As, uh, the, as the host, how are you yeah. gonna? I, this is this on. oh gosh i feel it's so much responsibility i you guess i'll like, just you could just do what i do you just like you look at your watch and be like oh there's the t- ah shoot well <laughs> i guess that is all the time we got yes that's the news you gotta and move your arm. i'm out of here the arm <laughs> make the arm means nothing to the listeners um but yeah, i will do you it you have to like pull your shirt a bit like Whoa. <laughs> hey what do i gotta do to get some respect around here huh <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ha <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah. You know, I I suppose I'll do literally the exact same thing that we do every time, except I'll do it from my own perspective instead of yours. With I was that, hoping though. I have one last suggestion. What's your we one last edit suggestion? Edit in the sound of a train uh-huh. that's like leaving the station. <laughs> Oh no, that's my train. I gotta jump on before. That, that's what happens during Frankenstein. That's train. that's my train from New York to Transylvania, which goes across right. the ocean. I don't know how that happens. And it, but... it's gonna after that, it's gonna take us to Austria or to Vienna, I should say. That's correct. Yeah, it's well, I'm gonna meet the to... love of my life. Yes. With all that in mind, from the internet, Colorado, I'm Sam Noland. And from the internet platform. Nine and three quarters, which is located it's just by even the right California. <laughs> I'm John Negroni. And we'll see you on the next extra milestone. <laughs>